0: Boom, and we're live. Daniele Bolelli, the man with the most beautiful accent in the world. I just read uh,
1: iTunes review saying... It's kind of weird listening to this guy describing this horror story with the accent from it sounds like he's making you pizza while he's talking. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing they don't know is I am making them pizza while I'm talking. That is what's happening.
0: Yeah, and if they could see you, you look like a professor that was kidnapped by a biker gang (laughs) and forced to... Kim's in here with this red Brotherhood jacket on, this leather jacket from these Native Americans with this big red fist on it. He's got a bandana on. Uh. (laughs) <laughs> you, you're just you're missing a motorcycle that's all you're missing right that's uh that's next you could be in like some easy rider type movie right i could see it you're just carrying a shotgun too i dig that yeah. so uh are you digging doing this podcast are you kidding History me on fire
1: oh man i'm i'm loving it i'm having fun well let's put it that way i love doing
0: it It's a royal pain in the ass, the research. Well, your podcast, much like Dan Carlin's, is very different. I always feel ashamed calling my podcast a podcast because it's just you sit down and talk, but yours is like it's an audio lesson on history. An in-depth audio lesson on like very extreme aspects of history yeah it gets and and, you know that part i enjoy because the
1: storytelling part is awesome you get to spin a story make it exciting connect it with pop culture do something that's fun that's the part that i love is the month prior to that of just brutal research just combing through boring historical book after boring historical book to find those little nuggets that are amazing yeah and then spin it into a narrative that's the part that gets a little old sometimes where you're like man I, do i
0: really need to read 200 hours of stuff
1: for this one thing it's like that's a lot
0: yeah i can only imagine now when you do that when you're going over combing over all these different uh history books and all these different uh, papers written on mm-hmm. various times. Do you, are you like extracting chunks and like putting them in Microsoft Word and then going over it? And then like, how do you, do you form it? Well, my question is kind of like, do you form it as a script yeah. or how much of it, so everything is completely written out? No, <clears throat> no? not exactly
1: because otherwise then it sound like, it right. like you're a guy reading a thing and it's right. boring and it doesn't sound right. I just take super extensive notes Kind of like if you are to give a lecture that you've never given, you're not mm-hmm. going to sit down and read it, but you are going to, you know, you have something to keep you on track to make sure it's like, oh, where am I going next? Okay, great. There's right. that So it's uh, as uh, detailed as possible without turning it into a dry guy reading his page type of stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, history is such a fucking awesome subject because people are crazy. And throughout History. Mm-hmm. People have done so many crazy things that it's just, it's it, it's such a great thing to know. Like when you, if you only had today, like if we only had our current era, mm-hmm. and we're looking around how fucking maniacal people are, and how crazy the world is, we'd be like, God, how'd this happen? How, how do we get here? And then you just listen to your podcast and you go, oh, this shit's been going on forever. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. This is the good times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, this is, is... <laughs> in case you are wondering, these good times. <laughs> and yes, there's much to complain about. And yes, there's much we can do better. Without a doubt, ladies and gentlemen. But this is as fucking good as it's ever been by far. Yeah, the human psyche is a very weird
1: place because there's so much amazing stuff that human beings do. There's just yeah. so much. And then there's the amount of horror that can be unleashed throughout he that has been unleashed throughout history by people against other people is just insane
0: yeah what is like when you go back and you you go over history what is the most confusing or disturbing era you know to me it's not so much a
1: particular period because the same patterns emerge a lot of the times mm-hmm. at different point in time it's, uh is more those moments you know when uh, when mob mentality takes over because the the reality is the average person is not i I don't have the world viewer i think the average person is evil i don't think that i think the average person is weak which means that when uh, in a conditions where everybody's pushing in one direction it's very easy to jump on the bandwagon and in some cases then a very ordinary human being can do horrible actions you meet them for dinner and you think pleasant person good enough but you put them in the wrong context and everything turns to shit i just did um i just finished right now this two-part series that's probably the most disturbing now i want to do a podcast about flowers and puppies (laughs) because this one was heavy man i did this series on kind of compare and contrast on the sun creek massacre of the cheyenne in colorado in the 1860s and then Mila in vietnam in uh, 1968 And actually I split it because I had, I did the Sun Creek and I had um, this guy, Daryl Cooper was the Martyr Maid podcast. He's an amazing podcaster and he covered Mila. And and then in the third episode, we're going to sit down and kind of chat about Mm. what does this all mean about the human nature? Why do, the reason why that particular story, those two stories interest me is because it's, it's a brutal massacre of civilians. But in both cases, there are soldiers who refuse to participate or actually try to stop it. They are not the majority, they are a minority, but they are there and they try. So it's not just a story of people doing ugly stuff. It's like, what is that make one guy when older, hey, go shoot that three-year-old. One guy goes, yes, sir, and does it. And the next guy goes, no, that's not who we are. Screw you, I'm not doing that. That's what interests me. It's like the individual element of what make people in the exact same circumstances. One person go down a really dark path and somebody else instead I in the balls to say, no, that's not who I am. That's not what we do.
0: With the Native American massacre, what, who was, how many people were the ones that refused? Because you never hear about that. All you right. hear about is the horrific actions of the soldiers.
1: Yeah, which was the majority. Was but there was also like, there was this one guy, um, what's a guy named Sil- uh, Silas Soul. He was... Talk about a guy with bolts of iron, because the guy, he and a couple of other officers refused to let the men under them because they were divided in different companies. So their companies, they said, no, we're not participating in this. This is just straight up slaughter. These guys are not even a real target. These are a bunch of civilians. So they refused. And then uh, Silas sold testified against his commander at the inquiry. And then he was promptly murdered shortly after wow. that. So it's like, it's a crazy story. But still to this day, there are people from the Cheyenne tribe who every year they have a ceremony for Silas Soul because they said it had not been for him. A lot more of us would have died on that day. And he did a really brave thing and paid a price for it. So, you know, if you're looking for heroism, you can do a lot worse than look at this guy's story because that guy was seriously, you know, stand up for his conviction under the most extreme circumstances. So
0: can't help but I admire that. Yeah, it had to be incredibly difficult to just imagine what those people were doing. I mean, when you hear some of the accounts of the slaughters of Native Americans, it's just terrifying that people can just look at someone and just decide that's not a person or that's not Mm -hmm. us, this is the other, they've got to be eliminated, so we're just going to kill all these kids, we're going to kill all these women, and it happened all over the country. I mean, y- there's, there's two things that happen to Native Americans. One, the big one is disease. Sure. And wasn't on purpose. There's this big f- myth that people put, like, they put smallpox in mm-hmm. blankets, and that's all bullshit, right? right? It's yeah. pretty much been proven that they didn't really understand b- right. b- bacteria or diseases. There's one story
1: that's a possible, is not a proven thing, during because initially nobody understood bacteria and disease. Right. Or the first hundred plus years completely unintentional. There's one tale about the French and Indian War where during a break, the British are talking about it, saying, one of the commanders saying, hey, maybe we should give them some blankets from the smallpox hospital. But, Um. you know, while we do know that he suggested it, we have no proof whatsoever that it was actually done.
0: Mm. So So that's probably how the rumor got started, right? Probably. But in most cases, what happened is just that the Europeans came over and just inadvertently introduced Native Americans' diseases and... 90% Ninety percent of them were wiped out. Yeah, that's a crazy number. If you really stop and think about it, yeah. it's considered probably the most
1: dramatic demographic disaster in human history. Because you know, never before you had a situation where a whole continent was not exposed to a series of diseases, and so of course there's no immunity. The first time they're exposed, they, you know, you don't need to even have smallpox. You can sneeze yeah. on somebody,
0: and the next day half the village is dead. You know? Yeah, that's crazy. It's just, it's amazing that if. Uh, a group of people just has not come in contact with something that other people come in contact with all the time. Uh-huh. And just, God, oh, well, you got a cold, you'd be fine, just have some chicken soup, take a nap. Meanwhile, these people are just dead. That's probably kills them
1: off. that's probably why aliens don't show up. It's like those motherfuckers are dirty. If they show up, they sneeze on us, and we,
0: we our whole planet will die. Or maybe the opposite. They know they'll kill us. Exactly. Maybe they have like some super advanced diseases. That's the other possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's just an immune system thing, right? If your immune system is mm-hmm. not prepared for it, that's how it is. The, there's a great uh, book by a guy named Dan Flores. Um, well, he wrote two, but one of them actually let me. And actually, it was a paper that he wrote. Um, about the buffalo and he's saying that it's really interesting because he compares the Initial encounters that European settlers had and European travelers had um, before the Native Americans were wiped out mm-hmm. and and they talk about how many animals were on the plains and they make a, a direct account of it. Yeah. And then, after the Europeans had come and 90% of the Native Americans had been wiped out, that's when the buffalo population increase goes through the roof. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing these gigantic packs of mil- it wouldn't be packs, uh, herds, I guess, of millions and millions of buffalo. And he said that's directly attributed to the lack of predators, of course. which means lack of Native Americans. Because yep. they were. Preying on these buffalo, of course. Really interesting. Yeah, that guy. You had him on the podcast once, right? Yeah, yeah I, I gotta that. get him on again. I love that guy. That was awesome. Um, His book, Coyote America. Yeah, yeah, that one. That was great. <laughs> that book, that book changed the way I feel about coyotes. Yep. I used to be like, fuck those little rats. <laughs> I'll run them over. And now I'm like, those are little wolves, man. They're <laughs> yeah, pretty they're badass. Smart. Yeah, that was a great episode. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, they, they are so gangster. One just stared me down the other day. I stopped <laughs> my fucking car and uh, just, you know, because he was in. It was a uh, kind of a not a lot of people in this area, it was it was fairly late at night and he was on this road I said let me just pull over and just see what this coyote does and he just fucking stood like 30 feet from my car Just staring at me. Just that's, staring at me. That's badass right there. Just like whatever dude. What are you gonna do? I'm about to run into these woods. You're never gonna see me again, or I'll stick around. Maybe if you fuck up I'll eat you right <laughs> <laughs> I'm but just trying to figure out what to do right here. Those guys don't mess around. It's crazy that they just can live and it'd be completely embedded in our society. Like there, we had a biologist. What was the gentleman's name that we had from the um, Department of uh, Parks and yeah. Services? See if we can find this guy. But um, he's actually a biologist who tracks coyotes, mm-hmm. and uh, he tracks them all over the state, and and he even tracks mountain lions. They tag them and put those collars on them and stuff. Uh, but he said that there's a pack of coyotes that lives in downtown L.A. Yeah, I believe it. In the heat of everything, mm-hmm. they found some abandoned building, and they they dend up in this abandoned building, and that's where they live. Like how those guys are resilient; they thrive in anything. They thrive. It's, yeah, yeah.
1: You, you like crazy animal stories, so check this out about a coyote. There's my mom went for a walk with her dog, and her dog is a big mean dog, right? So they are walking, and they see. Ahead of them, this little girl, probably 10 years old, with this tiny little five-pound dog type of thing. And there's a coyote maybe like 20 yards behind her that's clearly stalking them, and the girl mm-hmm. didn't see it. And is obviously aiming for the five-pounder, and is just... And so my mom yelled at her like, hey, watch out. So the girl freaks out, pick up the her dog, and she figures she's safe. Coyote doesn't give a fuck. She's still stalking them down. And so at that point my mom kind of let her dog go and the dog chased the coyote off and that was that but I was like man those guys are don't yeah you don't want to leave little dogs you wanna around You don't want to leave him. little girls around I know it's like why a 10 year old is walking
0: the dog by herself that's probably not the best idea They um there was a, an instance that happened a few years back where a 19 year old girl was murdered not murdered killed partially eaten uh by coyotes Coyotes yeah. serious Yeah I think they bit some chunks out of her, tore her apart, and she died in the hospital. Pretty sure that 19 was a 19-year-old, an adult. Yeah. yeah. But there, it was unusual circumstances. Yeah. And the, one of the unusual circumstances is that the coyotes in this area are very limited in terms of what game is available. Correct. Okay. So much so that they've been known to go after moose, that these coyotes. Little right. coyotes actually go after moose and have successfully taken moose out. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So these are gangster coyotes. Yeah, when you look at them, they don't look that big. You They're know. like They're 50 pounds. Exactly. Really like big, big ones, like 50 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. I watched a video the other day of a, a mother moose trying to. Uh, stop these wolves from eating her cow yeah, or eating her calf yeah i've seen that same it's stuff horrific yeah man. she's running around stomping these wolves and they're circling her and then they just grab the calf and drag it away and she's fighting off the other wolves and stomping them she stomped the shit out of a few of them yeah though. she fucked a few of them up it's more forever. satisfaction though as, yeah uh, when yeah yeah i saw that one that one sucks because there he is justin brown her. that gentleman very nice guy we gave us a lot of interesting insights to like what happens in um, You know like with biologists how they how they track these animals mm-hmm. and what what some of the problems are But we we're, we're in such a unique place in Southern California because there's such a massive population of people But there's all these predators that are sort of like entangled. Oh, yeah. in our system, mm-hmm. you know Like hawks everywhere everywhere you look there's hawks swooping down snatching doves and shit yeah my my daughter got a little dog i always
1: thought little dogs were nasty rats but i, I started liking <laughs> these things so i'm like okay I, I'm, I'm changing my mind about it this is a cool dog but it's still like eight pounds or something right. so i'm like hey, you can't let him alone in the yard not because there's probably not coyotes in the yard but there are definitely hawks around there's yeah. definitely owls. owls that thing yeah. look like a big rabbit they're yeah. gonna snatch it in three seconds you, you cannot leave him in the yard like that yeah and, uh, because, yeah, I mean, that's how it is. That's when you have predators around, you need to keep your eyes open.
0: Yeah, there's no getting around it. There's no getting around it. You know, and when we look at how horrific the wild world is, mm-hmm. it's not a surprise that people who are just, like, recently civilized over the last, you know, like, really realistically but, but like 10,000
1: like, years. Yeah, everybody's like, there's this really dark thing in people's minds where... It's an option on the table. Most people are never going to pull the trigger and go down right. there, but that's part of who we are as uh, as human beings. And, and I think that's why I enjoy doing this, uh, the Sand Creek Milai, because it's a story that's not trying to bash any side. It's not like, oh, look at those bad Americans doing these massacres. Mm-hmm. It's more, there were horrible people there. There were also great people belonging to the same side. Yeah. So it, to me, is not about... One particular group of people, that one nation or that one ethnic group or anything being the bad guys is on an individual level. What is that makes one guy go down this or in these horrible directions and other people instead choosing, you know, because that's what it boils down. It's choice, choosing not to be that person. You know, that's what fascinates me.
0: Yeah, you know, it's just um, there's a, a great book by Sebastian Younger called tribe. tribe. Have you read it? Yeah, read that one. Great. Wasn't it interesting when they talked about when he talked about all of the people that were kidnapped by Native Americans that chose to live with them? Yep. And then when they were taken back by the Americans, by the the settlers, you know, they were like, fuck this, I'm going back. I'm going back to the Native Americans. And they went and lived with them again. Like, a, but no one went the other way. No. Not at yeah, all, which, which is really crazy. Say
1: something not flattering about yeah. the Euro-American culture of the time. Yeah, there's a great uh, Benjamin Franklin quote. I'm I'm going to butcher because I, I only remember the beginning. Something about no European who has tasted savage life and then basically gone to can bear to come back to live in our settlements yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, let's say something about Because it's
0: fun. Yeah. The, the way they're living, they're camping, right? They're hunting and fishing every day, and you go back, and these assholes are wearing powdered wigs and banging a wooden mallet on a table for everybody to pay attention. <laughs> Fuck off! Exactly, you know that's <laughs> hilarious. But hear ye,
1: hear ye! That's what I mean about cultures, right? People sometimes will then romanticize native cultures as like, oh, they are all you know, hug trees and. It'll, talking with the furry creatures of the forest. And I'm like, right. well, yes and no. There are, like in what you mentioned, right? If you are captured, especially in the East, when like French and Indian war or stuff like that were going on, if you are captured by during a native raid, one of two things happen. The good one is that they like you and they decide to adopt you. And then you end up replacing one of their dead family members. So like if they lost a brother or a yeah. father then you become that person for that's crazy yeah, that's a is, weird thing that they did it's very weird but but the thing is the adoption process was so thorough that they love you like you're the real deal and you end up feeling like you're part of this family and you know everything works out everything is great if they don't like you then they torture you to death over a three day period and so it's oh, like and, and these are the same people right so yeah, they can be right? the sweetest most awesome humans or
0: really messed up same culture, same individuals. Do you think that's just because people have evolved be dealing with tribal warfare and just we have to have that switch? I think it's because uh, the thing that's interesting about natives is that
1: it wasn't a racial thing. They adopted anybody, right? Didn't matter what skin color you have, that they did not have a barrier to. Mm. But there is a big insider outsider. You know, oh. if you're part of our tribe, and you may become part of our tribe, race doesn't matter. You can become part of our tribe, but once you're part of our tribe, you're one of us. But if you're not part of our tribe, then, you know, the same rules do not apply to you. You are the other, you are an enemy, you are. Mm. And, and in that case, that's when it gets really brutal.
0: Yeah, even with other Native Americans, that's the yeah. thing that people need to really get in. Like, we, especially people that only have a peripheral understanding mm-hmm. of Native American culture, like, the reason why Sioux are called Sioux is because that's a Native American word for enemy. Yep. They, they call themselves the Lakota people. Right, exactly. So all the other Indians were like, fuck these crazy assholes. Oh, they're, <laughs> they're taking over. <laughs> they're the enemy. Yeah, totally. They were just dominating. Yeah. It's uh, it's really fascinating when you consider that these people had these hunting grounds and they were trying to protect and one of the things that they found is that there are areas where wildlife thrived, and the wildlife thrived in these like uh, gray areas, because yep. like this one area would be you know one Native American tribe, and then. Their hunting grounds went to a speci- specified distance. Yep. You know, obviously always in conflict. But then past that was another Native American tribes. But in the middle, that's where you'd find all the fucking animals. Of course. Because they were like, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody hunts me or yeah. They are worried about
1: killing each other in yeah. the danger zone. So, no, totally. That's it's how crazy it is.
0: that they figured that out. Yeah. It's like, um, have you been to Yellowstone? Yeah. It's beautiful, right? It beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. But one of the things that's really crazy is if you go around the tourist center, mm-hmm. there's elk everywhere mm-hmm. just lounging around. They tell you don't get more than 20 yards yeah. uh, closer to an, an elk because they will charge you occasionally. Mm-hmm. They're like tired of people taking fucking Episode selfies. The <laughs> they <laughs> <They're> always <laughs> the them. tourist yeah. guy like, hey, pet, look Dude, at I me. Dude, I fucking Poop. did it, man. I did it. I was out there, with, I, and I've seen elk in the wild, wild. Yeah. But they figured out that wolves don't come to the tourist center. Mm-hmm. So they're like, I got an idea. And then they realize these people are different than the people that hunt us. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Somehow or another, they put it together. Like, like one day, it all could go wrong, right? Civilization could collapse, and mm-hmm. you just go right to Yellowstone, go to that fucking tourist center. There's meat everywhere. <laughs> just <laughs> mow down the elk. Yeah, you need food. There's right. hundreds of them on the lawn at the tourist center. Yeah, It doesn't make any sense. But I, I don't know what it is. Like, what is the intellectual process that allows... Uh, an elk to understand that these people are not going to try to eat me and that the wolves are not going to be around these people. It probably took some really
1: stupid elk to stick around people before they realized those <laughs> were the good ones, and so that everybody was
0: looking back and hey, like, oh, they didn't get killed. Look maybe, at Frank over there, they're feeding them peanuts. Yeah, maybe look at we, we can try too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder what it was. I, I don't know if we really know. Like the mechanism that allows them all as a group to go, yeah, you could just chill out around these people. Right, just lie down. <laughs> they just lie down in I front know. of us. <laughs> You're right. It is funny. In all the national parks, you see the most animals yeah. right there. By it's, it's hilarious. But it's always it's fascinating that no, there's never been like a non-warring, successful group of humans. Because it only takes, you know, you can't really be a pacifist around somebody who isn't.
2: Because,
1: right. uh, yeah, you decide to go in this mellow, peaceful, happy society and you get your ass kicked. by There's a great story about the origins of, not even before the United States, like British colonies in what will become the United States. Everybody hears about uh, Plymouth Rock, right? There's the whole, the Puritans, they show up, all of that. What usually people don't hear, um, Thaddeus Russell played a little with this story in his book. There was this other settlement called Marymount that was just down the street from Plymouth, but they were completely different. Their interpretation of Christianity was pretty much a pre-Christian paganism mixed with a couple of Christian ideas. They had the exact opposite approach of the Puritans. They were having drunken orgies with the native tribes. They were just, yeah, they were the equivalent of like the hippies of the 1600s, just kicking (laughs) back, having fun. And the Puritans started getting edgy, because when new people would show up on the coast, they would take a look at the Puritans, they would take a look at Marymount and be like, yeah, I'm going to Marymount, fuck the Puritans, these guys are whipping themselves and life sucks over there. And so, of course, that was bad competition. Even some Puritans were like, see you, honey, I'm gone for a couple of weeks. And so the, the hardcore guys decided, well, we can't have that. So they got their guns, showed up and closed down Marymount. And, and that's the problem. Like, Had the Marymount guys not been so damn lazy hippies and actually got their act together and trained with guns and stuff, they would have been able to keep their community going with those values. All you just, you need a minimum of self-defense. Otherwise, yeah. somebody else squash
0: you, which is exactly what happened. Was that the, from the, the name Loyola Marymount? Does it come from those people? I dubbed it because, uh, you know what? I have no idea, so I'm
1: going to lie. But, but you know what the <laughs> thing is? Because, <laughs> you know, Loyola doesn't strike me exactly as a drunken right. orgy with No, not at stories. all. That's why I was confused. Yeah.
0: yeah, I'd never heard of that before, but it makes sense that there would be someone that would deviate. Mm-hmm. There's always someone that just looks at the way everyone else is doing it and just says, This is fucking not for me, man. Totally. Yeah. But it always goes bad. Like, there's never been a cult where uh you know they got together formed a commune and just really were cool to each other <laughs> we, i'm actually fascinated with exactly the thing you said
1: why <sighs> why can what's so damn hard about it's power
0: it's the that's one that's one person in power The one person in a position of power is almost always um, abusive, and they almost always use that power to their own ego ego gratification and dominance. They -hmm. always fuck all the other guys' wives. Yeah, that's they all father a bunch of children. They take everyone's money. You know, it's I'm fascinated by that kind of stuff because one of the things that you you see when you um, if you become famous. Or if you do something that gets you a lot of notoriety is, I know how I feel around certain famous people. Like uh, I remember, like I've talked about, like first time I met Anthony Bourdain, who mm-hmm. I respect a great deal. Of I was like a little school kid. I was like, I was just such a dork. I was like, dude, I fucking love your show. You <laughs> know, I was like, I was, I was it was genuine, and I love his writing too. Yeah. So I was genuinely excited to see mm-hmm. him and meet him. You know, and still to this day, when I talk to him, I'm a little dorked out. So when you know, you take a person who's not, and I'm used to being around celebrities, I've been around a lot of them, but when you take someone who's not used to being around someone who is in this position of adoration, and they don't know how to handle it, mm-hmm. and they just, they just give in to whatever, you know, beta tendencies they have, and this alpha just takes over, there's a, a natural thing that human beings do in these small, isolated groups that don't get checked and it almost always is the the man who is in charge of it winds up abusing everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which again, it goes back to
1: that part of human nature is wh- yeah. why do you have to go down that path? You can have a great life. You right. can enjoy, be nice to people. Making you are in a position of leadership. Use that to make sure the whole thing runs smoothly. Everybody's taken Never care of. Never works that way. Yeah, <laughs> and it pisses me off because you it's know weird. That's, to me is. I mean, I understand it and I don't understand it because, I, I mean, I get it. I've seen it enough times that I know you're exactly 100% right. But at the same time, I really don't get it because you can still have a great life. Nobody's yeah. denying you all the good things that you want. Just be a semi-decent human. It's not that hard. Come on.
0: You would think it's not that hard, but when there's no one checking you, like you're in the Oregon woods yeah. and you've got this fucking yurt and everybody lives together and you just bang everybody. <laughs> <laughs> And you make them so you give start. you all your all their gold. It's people for whatever reason when there's a person that is the king or a person that is like some you know cult leader or whatever you, you messiah whatever you mm-hmm. want to call them. People just want that person to have the answers. They they gravitate towards that. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's precisely one of the things that bugs me about um, a
1: lot of people who are willing to put themselves in that position of like I am your big leader. Yeah. To me there's a way to be a leader that's awesome that's great, sort of the Taoist approach where people shouldn't even feel they are a leader, but you're like subtly moving things along to make sure everybody's taken care of right that's a leader, but that's not because it's not obvious. Most people need exactly what you say they they need their father figure to lay mm-hmm. down the law to be very dogmatic and certain in their. I know it all don't worry, I have all the answers yeah. this is good, this is bad. And people love that. They love that in dictators. They love it in religious cult leaders. They love it in in everything. That type of personality gathers a whole lot of followers who need somebody to look confident and sure of themselves. doesn't matter whether
0: they are or they aren't. If they put on a good show, people will buy it. Yeah, it seems like a pattern that just sort of gets established in human beings from being a child and having your parents, don't touch that, that's mm-hmm. hot, come with me, this is the way to go, this is what you have to do, this is how you put your shoes on, this is how you tie your shoe, this is how you get to work, this is how you do this, this is how yep. you do that, and then you all of a sudden you don't have anybody telling you what to do anymore and then all along comes the cult leader Yep. like i've got the answers guess what they're coming straight from god so fuck your parents <laughs> your parents didn't know shit. but that, but that's
1: what's funny <laughs> is that the same people who grow it up would be like your parents tell you hey tie your shoes and you're like fuck you right suddenly somebody come along when they are 20 or 30 tie your shoe and
0: you're like oh you're so wise yeah. let me listen to this you this is the way to tie my shoe oh great master exactly yeah and it's just ah, i don't know man it's just
1: yeah, it was interesting. I don't know if you have been following like, where um, Dan Carlin, the stuff that he has been saying about his other show, Common Sense. I haven't listened to it lately. Yeah, he hasn't been releasing episode lately. That's probably why you haven't, because he has kind of shut down with that. It's not officially done, but in this thing is my approach, meaning Dan talking, my approach is to be somewhat subtle, somewhat like play and not be overly dogmatic one way or another, to think on my feet, to mix things together. And that's something that most people don't want in the current climate. Most people right. want the very black and white type of approach. Now, I disagree with Dan because I think that still there is an enormous need for what it provides. Mm. And I don't think that just giving up is the solution. But I do get it because it really doesn't take much. You know, if you start screaming a very dogmatic, either super leftist or super conservative approach, you get automatically a bunch of followers. Mm-hmm if you are thinking on your feet and just going hmm this thing yeah you're right but let's look at the other side and constantly having you know what any decent human being should do just being intellectually honest and thinking things through right. not people don't respond to that because it's not that easy or rather people do some people respond yeah. but it's a number wise is a way a minority compared to what you get by being uh, a black and white kind of guy
0: yeah people desire very clear Resolutions and very clear thinking in terms of like uh, enemy friend yeah. this is a black and white issue there's but I think Dan also just felt overwhelmed by the times so he yeah. was like this just seems like everything's so fucked up i 'd rather not even talk about it and just sit back and I know. see what is is really happening we were on the phone uh, I swear I spent like an
1: hour on the phone with you we were, we were back and forth I was played in by, by that was played uh, remember the second movie of Lord of the rings where there's Frodo carrying the ring is all like, yeah. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and there's Sam going, Oh, come on. You need to. <sighs> I think I, I need to step up my game. I'm a shitty Sam because I was trying to do that for Dan and just kind yeah. of motivate
0: him, and I miserably failed. So I respect where he's coming from. He said that when he was on the show recently. Um, he, he was talking about that sort of same thing that he's kind of put that podcast on hold. As long as he keeps doing his podcast, Hardcore History is just. So important, I think. I think him and you are providing... You guys are providing a, an entertaining and interesting history lesson that really wasn't available before. I mean, before mm-hmm. you could get a book on tape, and it was a really well-written book, and it was read by someone with like good dramatic flair. It was exciting stuff, but nobody really got into it. I bet, I bet the numbers... If you consider the numbers of people that have listened to his podcast and your podcast in comparison to like before you guys were around... Mm-hmm. There's probably a radically improved number of people that know a lot about history. Yeah, for particular things like the Mongols. I never even (laughs) thought about the Mongols until I listened to his podcast, which apparently right now, if you're in the L.A. area in Simi Valley at the Ronald Reagan um, Museum, the Reagan Museum or library, what is it? There's a giant Genghis Khan uh, exhibit. Really? Yeah, they have the bows and all the fucking stuff they stole and the textiles and all the different things they wore and their yurts that they slept in. All kinds of crazy shit. Awesome. I want to go. Yeah, I mean, that stuff's over 1,000 years old, right? Or close to it. it, Twelve hundreds. Yeah, 1,200. So close to 1,000 years old. Yeah, Yeah, but. Oh, there it is right there. Yeah. Check that out. They had bows that required 160 pounds to pull back. I know who the hell were these guys who pulls 160 pound bow? It's insane. I they mean, they must it, have been animals. They must have been so fucking strong. Yeah, you pull 60 pounds and you're like, holy hell, this is heavy. 160 is insane. Well, I have a um, a compound bow. And the compound bow, I don't have a regular like a recurve like uh-huh. these guys shot. I believe they invented the recurve too. Mm-hmm. They didn't invent it. They were around in the era when the recurve was invented. Which just by the design of the bow, it, it pulls. It, it's it gives you uh, more power. More energy gets released through the arrow. But with a compound bow, there's a big let off. So it's only difficult. So, if you had a 60-pound bow, it's only, diff- it's only 60 pounds for like the first six inches or right. so of pulling it back. Then, as you completely pull back, there's like an 85% let-off. So, it's much easier to hold. Right they were pulling 160 the whole time all the and way. at the end it was harder yeah of course yeah
1: and they could aim perfectly on horseback while riding in full gallop. it's like who the I mean they apparently used to time the arrow release while the horse yeah. was in the air yeah because then you don't have the unevenness yeah. of it yeah. Yeah, those guys crazy. are fakes. it's just uh, that series that Dan did on the Mongols is one of the
0: greatest series time. of all time, of it's all time. I urge people amazing I think it costs a dollar an episode just go through iTunes get it for a dollar or I don't know what other um, app do you have if you're Android but it's a dollar an episode and it's worth fucking hundreds of dollars it's amazing I've listened to it no bullshit at least six times you know, I did to stop bringing up Dan because by now people are accusing me of like, you know, you like
1: Dan probably a little more than a heterosexual man should. That's I okay. always give praise to He's a beautiful to, guy.
0: He's awesome, man. There's nothing wrong I, with I it. I love Dan. He's one of my favorite humans. Well, listen, your podcast is fucking awesome too, man. And I really particularly enjoyed your first one because you talked about that one story that you brought up on here oh, yeah, that yeah. freaked me the fuck out right when
1: at the end of Spartacus rebellion they uh, they capture all the re- remnants of Spartacus army and crucify every single one of them on the way between Naples and Capua but next to Naples and Naples and Rome every whatever 30 40 yards there's a new guy crucified and 30 yards down another one kind of like lamp posts all the way between these two cities and how many miles is that that's like a 120 something like that 120 miles of crucified people yeah where you have at every 30 to 40 yards, there's a new one, and then another one, and then another one. And it's,
0: yeah, that's uh, an intense kind of story. Since the last time you were on the podcast, I went to Rome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw that. You I did traveled. Italian trip, yeah, yeah. Dude. It's not, that's one of those things where you just have to, like, no one talk to me for a second. Let me try to process mm-hmm. this. You know, like... We had a great guide uh, who was a professor it was a really It was really cool. Um, he guides people mm-hmm. in the meantime, and he was just so excited to talk to me because I was so into it Of course you know because most of the time you know people are just like barely curious about what he has to say, but you know we we talked about the significance of the pineal gland and the pine cone in mm-hmm. and, and the in and the Vatican and you know he takes it, you know, on a tour of all the different artifacts that's That's a trip that I feel like. But just going there, especially the Vatican, going there, the Colosseum was big too, but going to the Vatican and just seeing all that artwork and Getting an understanding of what those people were really up to for hundreds and hundreds of mm-hmm. years, just conquering the world for hundreds and hundreds of years, and all this artwork—seeing yep. it live in person just sort of reset my perspective.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, yeah, Rome is a place that you have never once in your lifetime you got to do it. You know, it's just—I uh, don't know if you have been. There's a place, uh, Castel Sant'Angelo, which is kind of close to the Vatican, and but if you go to the top of this castle, you basically get a panoramic view of all of Rome from mm. there it's so spectacular It just it's wild you Man. see the river you see all the buildings you see everything and then you climb back down and you just do your walks and and uh what was I seeing here oh one thing that I saw in Rome that I was blown away by you know this artist um Caravaggio was uh, the painter never that, that guy I love that guy because basically what happens with this dude is he was around in the what was the end of the 1500s? Yeah, end of the 1500s, early 1600s. And Caravaggio was a straight-up gangster. Like, he was probably the best artist of the era. To me, he's probably the best artist of all times. Like, you look at his paintings, and it's just insane what he could do with paint. But then he had this life on the street as a as a literal gangster. He would just get... He, at one point, killed a guy in a duel, was wanted for murder. Every time... He would get close to
0: power, and he would. Yep, that's Caravaggio for you. Look at right how there. amazing that painting is. Yep. And what year was this made? 1599. Around 1599. Yep. God, look how good it is. I know. That that's good. insane. I mean, yep. that's that is so close to photographic. And you think that this was in the 1600s, yep. and these people they couldn't even stand still for him. I mean. How do you think he did that? Did he have a guy pretend that he's getting choked? Did he do this all from his mind? No, I think he used models.
1: There was actually one of the scandals is that he... Because, was banging his models? <laughs> well, of course, but no, that so was they not just, the scandal. They all did that, right? that, was part of the deal. <laughs> Though the scandal part was the fact that you know the church was commissioning a lot of his work, mm-hmm. but he clearly was not the most pious guy in their sense. Right. His view of Christianity was, hey, these guys were Jesus and his followers were poor men from the street. They were not the cardinal in purple robes, so he used the, as models more than once for the Virgin Mary he used the hookers that he was sleeping with. Really? And so the church was like, you cannot use a hooker for the Virgin Mary, that's just not okay. <laughs> and he would be like, yeah, yeah, don't worry, okay, next time. And again, he does it again. See so if he can
0: get some of his paintings of the Virgin Mary, so find some of them. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, it's hilarious. There's one, uh, let
1: me see if I remember the t- there's one where There's a naked baby Jesus with Mary squashing a snake. Mm -hmm. Uh, See if that pops up. That one is great because, uh, you know, that was his big shot at making it big. The church was trying, okay, keep it together. Be a good boy because you're the best painter there is, but you're fucking crazy, so please just tone it down. (laughs) And he turns in this painting where the Virgin Mary has... uh, Just big cleavage showing in a red dress. Uh, She, Baby Jesus is butt naked, squashing the snake, supposed to symbolize the devil and stuff. And they were like, yeah, that's
0: not what we meant. Wow. Yeah, that's the one. That's the Virgin Mary? Yeah. She looks like a freak. I know.
1: Well, she was his uh, lover hooker. So, yes, that was... Wow.
0: Part of the problem there. And the baby Jesus squash a snake. Yeah, was dick showing exactly. <laughs> that was the other thing that um, this guy was explaining to me was that uh, the penis sizes mm-hmm. of the Roman statues they were all small because big penises were supposed to mean stupid people <laughs> and like aggressive <laughs> animals that were just you know not a part of the civilized, amazing <laughs> culture that Rome represented. So there was pride in the micro penis. Yeah, well, it wasn't micro, but it was definitely not. That's funny. Not optimal. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, because I was asking. I was like, what do you think that is? We were trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. We, we were talking about it before the professor gave me an answer. And I was like, maybe they just, like, had littler dicks back then. Like, maybe it was just, you know, that was right. just how it went. And he's like, no, it just, I think they probably associated big dicks with rape. With, like, the, the barbarians mm-hmm. and the Moors and all these people coming in and chopping people up and fucking the shit out of everybody. And, like, no, 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 we don't want that. We don't want that. <laughs> Little tiny dicks. Like, sophisticated dicks. Sophisticated <laughs> <laughs> dick, <That's> dicks. Dicks like- <laughs> of people who write poetry. You know what I'm saying vandalism,
3: maybe? They stole the dicks? No, big dick no, the they didn't steal <laughs> the big
0: dicks. No, they were, they were clearly made by the artists. One thing they did do, though, in certain eras, they covered the dicks with leaves. It wasn't initially what right. they would do, and they went back on a lot of them and repurposed them and p- put new leaves over dicks. I think you know right now that there are going to be about seven punk
1: bands borrowing the name from you. Like sophisticated dicks will be the name of a new <laughs> punk band coming out
0: tomorrow. That'll be a good band, sophisticated yeah. dicks. Yeah, I like that name. That's a good one. Yeah, it's a it's a weird thing that people have done throughout history. Is like sort of um, trying to. Uh, Trying to control artistic expression and trying to have it represent the time, mm-hmm. you know, and so you don't necessarily get a full version of what was going on then, but you do get a version of the suppression, which gives you insight into the full version of the times. Definitely, you know, that they were covering covering dicks with leaves and stuff. So so strange.
1: And sometimes they would have the painter giving the the edited version of the painting yeah. for public consumption. But then the same guy who commission. he was like, okay, give me one for
0: my private collection. And so that's where they would have all the way more explicit stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, they, I mean, they didn't have pornography back then, so they must have been beaten off the paintings and stuff. It yeah. had to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it had to be thought of as being arousal inducing, so much so that. What was it during the uh, Victorian era where they put legs of <laughs> tables? They would put dresses on them? Yeah, they would wrap the legs of
1: the tables because, you know, they are legs. Yeah. And if they are bare, they may give you ideas, which yeah. I don't know about you, man, but, you know, look at the leg of the table. That really doesn't do it for me. So but the there level had to be of-
0: something to it. But, Where people but, got so horny. Right. That the table leg, Look at this moves, get,
1: uh. But that's when you know you really have problems, right? Yeah. When you look at the leg of a table and you got all excited, it's like, man. You... Yeah, that's not good. No, you may want
0: to revisit your life choices up until that point. It's fascinating that people must have agreed to that,
3: too. It's
0: What's up, Jamie?
3: I just looked it up. It says it that it originates from a satire that was written, and people I guess took it as truth.
0: Oh, so it's not real?
3: <laughs> yeah, supposedly not. But they definitely did cover the legs. Yeah, I think they did. But the reason why is mm. exaggerated. It says he was poking fun at Americans that did something like that.
0: Come on, let's spoil the meat. <laughs> the meat is too cool. That's prosperous farmhouse parlor in 1900s, and that is it covered. But this is 1900s, right? This is um, the Victorian era is when they did this. Oh wait. Oh, in 1839, nature, yeah. an Englishman wrote a satire of American tour. He wrote the American propensity to use the word limb in place of leg. Though he says the English do it too. Then he says that he visited a boarding school, young ladies, New York City. We saw a square piano fort with four limbs. The mistress of the establishment had dressed all these four limbs in modest trousers with frills at the bottom of them. He's exaggerating and not subjects uh, is exaggerating or... Not subject to speculation, he is certainly poking fun. Or whether whether Mariat Mar- Mar- Mariat is exaggerating or not is subject to speculation. He is certainly poking fun at Americans. But I can attest that having page two dozens of books showing old black and white piano photos of Victorian tears, I saw not one example of a table piano or any other piece of furniture with skirts around the individual legs. That's interesting. Boo. Because I had always heard that. I like the legend so much better. <laughs> Hadn't you always heard that? I yeah, heard totally. that from did, professors. Yeah. 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 I thought I'd heard it too. I remember hearing that from a history professor.
1: I'm all of the you know, between boring history and a fun legend, always side with <laughs> a fun legend.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would like to think that people were way more stupid than they were. Yeah, sometimes. It makes a me lot. feel good about this era. Exactly. we're in now. Yeah. you yeah, but be just... Um, I mean, you look at the dresses that people had to wear, you know, that went all the way down to the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not really much different than what we see in the Middle East. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, what we see in the Middle East, they have to cover their face, the hijab and the whole deal and the, yeah. the headscarves. And that's a little little more extreme, but not much. Yeah. I mean, they, they wore shit that went all the way to the ground. If you mm-hmm. showed any ankle, you would lose their mind. It's an ankle. Oh, Isn't my crazy? God. Yeah. Well, you know, repression does it yeah I wonder if they were more hypersexualized than we are. I bet not. I bet because of porn, we're probably more hypersexualized right there's I think different arguments there because some people say the
1: more you repress stuff, the more then you're going to obsess with it, so mm. that's all you think about all day that's whereas true for sure, the one yeah. that's kind of indulged more in it is less likely to obsess then again, there are lots of people who are so addicted to internet porn that I don't yeah. know if that idea works, but you know that's the
0: well, internet porn is the problem with internet porn is the availability. Mm-hmm. Is just, is just, you don't even have to go somewhere. At least back in the day, when you had VHS tapes or DVDs or something like that, you had to go to a store, yep. you had to buy them, you had to put them into the TV, you had to sit back, you had mm-hmm. to get the remote control. Yeah, had there was a process. There was work involved. Well, right. The minors of minor work. Yes. Right? Yes. Now it's just far too easy. Yeah. It's far. I mean, how many people that work? That have jobs go into the bathroom, lock the door, and beat off. Mm, that's uh, there's a lot of people listening right now. <laughs> we're doing that, exactly that, are that. Doing that right, right now. Beating off right now. <laughs> Stop it. Go back to work. Jesus is watching. That's what I hear. Yeah. Um. It's just. It's interesting. I guess if you have to think about it, like they were trying to control those people and trying to control their urges because it was beneficial to society. It was beneficial to society that, that these people needed to do their fair share mm-hmm. and get to work, and they couldn't just be staring at legs all day and, and you know, engaging in impure thoughts. But, you know, that's the, that's the problem with any kind of prohibition.
1: It's completely misunderstanding how the human mind works. Yeah.
0: You do not say
1: no to things says you are not going to do this, Yeah guaranteeing that people are gonna obsess with this, right? It doesn't work. Yeah. There's um, was a Zen story that I heard once that I thought it was hilarious. I Can't remember where I heard it, but like guy go to a Zen master saying, hey, you know, you recall a at peace and happy. I wanna be just like you. What do I need to do? Zen master says, okay, just for the next 24 hours, don't think about monkeys. Guy's like, monkeys? Never thought about monkeys. How is that gonna make me enlightened? Zen master like, shut up, go away, come back in 24 hours don't think about monkeys kind of like okay well becoming a light and it's gonna be a piece of cake because all I have to do is not think about monkeys and of course the next 24 hours become the most monkey filled hours of his life (laughs) because that's all he can think about right (laughs) point being the more you make something a taboo the more you guarantee that people are gonna obsess with it yeah it's uh like even think like drinking at 21 in u.s Mm
2: -hmm. Right. It's like
1: growing up, I don't even know if there was an age in Italy where you are supposed to not drink, but it's not that glamorous, you know, it's what your grandparents have for lunch. And, you know, you are maybe six year old and you want to try a little wine and they give you a tiny bit saying... If you have a little more, you got a headache. So just got it. And then one day you do got a little more, you got a headache, and you go, oh shit, you are right. Okay. Yeah. And you l- kind of learn how to drink rather than being like,
0: oh, we got week,
1: Cool. Now we got all these booze and people drink, throw up all over themselves.
0: It's like, that's just gross. Why are you doing that? Yeah, I think there's definitely a, a, a healthier attitudes than Americans' attitudes about alcohol. But also, like, wine is a good way to start. Mm-hmm. Like, you start off a kid with whiskey. Yeah, that's, that's not the way to start. That's too potent. Yeah. One of my first times I ever got drunk was on Jack Daniels and it took Eesh. years for me to smell Jack Daniels and not want to throw up. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> you get those triggers in your head where you smell it like Jägermeister. I used to smell Jägermeister like, and just be like. Wah! Yep. Because yeah, you yeah. just think about just getting violently ill where your body's trying to purge it from your system so you don't die. Yeah, it's. To 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 hide it from kids and tell them it's that that it's taboo, but then you drink it, yeah, it's and bullshit. then they're like, I can't wait until these fucking people can't tell me what to do anymore. To get myself a nice cold glass of whiskey. Yeah,
1: I mean it's kind of like that goes also to education in general. You know, when if a parent has to come to the place where you say these are the rules, you live under my roof, you need to obey right. them. That's like raising the white flag and admitting I've lost already. I lost control. I yeah. don't know what the fuck I'm doing because it's like. Of course, all they are going to do is wait for you to turn around and do exactly the thing you're prohibiting Mm because you are coming across as a dictator. You're coming across as an asshole. If instead you can teach somebody like, look, man, you can do whatever you want. The goal here is we want to make sure we both want to make sure that you're happy and you're safe. Simple enough. So let's figure out a strategy to make sure you can be happy and safe. And we are on. I'm on board, whatever. That's a lot easier for people to respond to being like, okay, so you're not just a killjoy who's trying to squash my life. You're somebody who's concerned about me not ending up dead. Fair enough. We can work with that. You
0: know. Yeah, but parents have to work. Yeah. And they don't have any time. Exactly. I don't have to tell you. You're a parent. Right. Right. You're like, Look, just fucking listen to me. <laughs> Shut up. I'm busy. Right. I'm writing my book over here. Yeah. I'm, I'm fucking getting my lectures <laughs> ready. And, and yeah. the kid's like, hey, 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 what about whiskey? No, Ex- don't fucking <laughs> touch that shit. Get out of there. <laughs> Get out of that liquor cabinet. Right. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I couldn't wait to drink. Yeah, I was of like, course. This, this is going to be fun. Of course. It's got to be. It's taboo. Yep. It's forbidden. Yep.
1: So. But that's the problem with forbidden stuff. It never works.
0: Well, it's also uh, Italian food and wine seem to go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And and it's, I think, I mean, that used to be what they drank because they were concerned with getting sick, right? And one of the best ways to not get sick was to drink wine.
1: The alcohol because, content.
0: Well, yeah, the alcohol content would keep the water from, I mean, like if you just drink water all the time, especially if it's sitting still, mm-hmm. you could get some bad fucking water, right? You can get bad water from a lake. I mean, how many, they didn't know jack shit about parasites no. back then. How many people got some terrible diseases from drinking puddle water and shit? You know, I'm sure a lot. Oh, yeah, you just find some water, like, oh, we're thirsty, time to drink. Yeah. and Or even a creek. You drink in a creek, and you think, like, oh, this is a beautiful stream. This is uh, clear water. Yeah, but a beaver took a shit just 100 <laughs> yards ahead. Exactly. You, you don't know about it. You, you get what's called beaver fever. Yeah. That's what For real, that's what they call giardia. <laughs> they call it beaver fever. Yeah, that can be good. No, it's terrible. So they used to drink wine to prevent what they would call traveler's disease mm-hmm. because people would take these those... What are those things called, the, the leather things that they would carry wine in? I want to say flask, but it's not a flask. What are those, those leather satchels yeah, that yeah, they I would carry wine in? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Wine I, thought
1: they, in? I thought they used flask for that, but I'm not sure.
0: Might be. There's a, a term. It's like a leather bag, and it had like a, on the end like a cork, and mm-hmm. they would just drink from that, and that's how they would hydrate. Yep. People must have been just hammered all day.
1: Yeah. When you read the statistics of how much people used to drink, it's amazing that anything ever got done because
0: it's just people were drinking morning through night. And hor- they must have been horrific to each other yeah. then. Just just a, imagine like a whole civilization that is a drunken bar at 1 a.m. Angry drunk. You know, yeah. it's funny
1: because I never und- – I mean, I've seen it enough that I get it. People get edgy and weird where uh, – when they drink too much, but I never got it because to me it's like if I'm drunk, it's like that's when I'm happy. I want right. to hug people. Fuck, yeah. why would I want to be in a bad mood? This
0: is awesome. This. Well, you're a nice guy. That's you, you, what we, it is that comes yeah. out. The yeah. If you're a fucking asshole, it shows up. When, <laughs> I see. you're Especially but, if you just barely keeping that asshole under the surface, you just barely you just want right. to fucking stab everybody and club them and steal their women, <laughs> and then you get a couple of drinks in you. And this, this alcohol alcohol is a great social lubricant, mm-hmm. right? It's great for releasing inhibitions and letting people communicate with each other more freely and mm-hmm. have fun, but this it's also it removes doubt. Mm-hmm. And that's not good, right? But I think doubt is critical. Yeah, like doubt is one of the pieces of the great puzzle, mm-hmm. right? The the great puzzle has many ingredients, and one of those ingredients is doubt. And doubt is important. You should look at anything you're about to contemplate and go, hmm. Yep. Let me think about this. Let me think what could go wrong when you get a couple of drinks. Fuck it, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> And then next thing you know, you know you're know, you on an internet meme. Hold my beer. Yeah, right. exactly. We talked about that yesterday, like some of the most, more ridiculous ones. But there's so many of those out there, and almost all of them have to do with alcohol. Yeah.
1: No, you're totally right. And I think what you are saying about that, there's a great... Uh, Alan Watts, the guy who popularizes Zen and Taoism and all of that stuff, he had this great line. He called it the wisdom of insecurity, mm. you know, this idea of real careful. There's a yeah. wisdom there in not being overly sure. dogmatic, and which doesn't mean... The problem is then people take that concept too far and that turn it into having no balls and not being able right. to take a stand. That's not the solution either. That's the other side of the problem. But there's a sweet spot in between where you can take stances, but they are careful stances. They are stances that are very willing to be changed at the drop of a dime if you show the good evidence to, to change them, you know? yeah is that to me is what
0: intellectual honesty looks like you know yeah I, I agree i think it's good to be aware of all the possibilities i used to tell people that when i was uh teaching taekwondo like people that would mm-hmm. compete if they were really really nervous i'd be like the really smart people are really nervous because you're aware of all the possibilities of everything that can go wrong the people that aren't worried about it at all they're usually dumb
1: there's That, but also to me, there are some people, like I look at some of the people who are able to keep it together in this, like kind of like Chuck Liddell, right? Mm -hmm. Take a nap right before a fight kind of thing. I can tell by look at those guys and just be like, you know something i don't know
0: you know there's something
1: there that you're doing confidence uh, for
0: sure i mean chuck had been knocking people unconscious for many many years and he knew exactly what to do and i think he knew he was good at it there's that for sure and i think
1: there's the other side is knowing that okay if i have decided to do it fear is not going to help me now you know it helped me to make decisions earlier but right now it's not going to help me so let's figure out man it was hilarious there's um my girlfriend fights MMA professionally.
2: Yeah, I've noticed uh,
0: that. Yeah, she's wild, man. I've been paying attention she's, to uh your escapades online. Yeah. It, she's <laughs> she's crazy. She's huh? crazy. She's <laughs> uh, she literally
1: had that Chakley Del mode where she she took a nap right before a fight. And you know, like forty five minutes before you have to wake her up going okay. like, Hey, you're ready? And she's all like Okay, ready to roll. And I'm like, I, I would not sleep for a week prior. How do you manage to keep it
0: together it's like It's good this, to do. You know? I used to do that. I used to sleep before fights. It's good. That's awesome. Yeah, but it, it, you you just can get yourself into a more calm state. Yeah. It's it's so much better than um, frantically running around and freaking out and fretting. Plus, it's a, it's a, it freaks out your opponents. I would sleep, like, right on the bleachers. Mm-hmm. I'd just go to sleep right there, and everybody else would be nervous and shit, and you're sleeping.
1: Exactly. You Do you know? look at Wait
0: that? I, I'm supposed to fight that guy? The yeah. guy
1: was sleeping right before the fight? Hell no. Like, the first match he did well, was nuts because, you know, you're in the locker room, and there's the guy sitting next to you, Goes out for his match. Come right back. He his said is split open. Covered yeah. in blood. And they're telling you, okay, you get ready. You're going next. <laughs> and I'm dying, right? I'm right. just thinking, how oh, the hell? And she's all like, la, la, la. Where would you meet her? Jim? D- uh, no, she literally lives across the street from me. That's so, crazy. Yeah, that's Just where, random. And it was funny because I used to say, it, this is where the universe has a sense of humor. Because I used to say all the time, like, I'm kind of. I can get along with anybody, but I don't necessarily click with a lot of people. So my thing was like, yeah, where do I find somebody I click with? Across the street? And I said that like 10,000 <laughs> times, right? And one day I'm like, look at that. <laughs> what that's the?
0: hilarious. Yeah, I know. It was. That's where I was looking at the universe going like, okay, that's funny, ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, but the... There's definitely like little things that almost like slap you in the face. But yeah, there's a whole system going on, stupid. Just yeah. pay attention. I know. Like, I know you make fun of Oprah, <laughs> but, but the secret might be real, yeah. motherfucker. Oprah's got three billion dollars. <laughs> Seriously, man. There might so, be something to it all. Yeah, yeah. It seems completely preposterous, but eh. yeah. I, I intellectually, I always want to say, nah. You know, th- 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 things don't happen for a fucking reason. You decide they happen for a reason afterwards. Yeah, because it helps fit your sense of order. I it's f- the funny thing is, I completely
1: agree with that. And I also completely yes. agree with the fact that sometimes things click in a way that you're like, okay,
0: you're fucking with me. This Dude, is I, just too. I think about people all the time out of nowhere. I'll get an email from them. Mm-hmm. Like, out of nowhere. Like, I haven't talked to this guy in 10 fucking years. And then all of a sudden I get, I get an email. Yep. Or, you know, you run into them somewhere. You're like, what? Yep. How is it possible I'm running into you at the airport? This doesn't even make sense. I know. You reconnect. It's very strange.
1: Yeah. They're, those are the times when you're really humbles you and makes you think okay the universe is such a weird place and what i understand is like probably 0.01 percent of what's out there
0: yeah we're connected in some other weird bizarre way that we haven't figured out yet Mm -hmm. and maybe we'll never will maybe we'll become symbiotes maybe we'll become like completely ingrained technologically before we figure out the biological connections that we share because i think there's I think there's, like, the obvious senses that we all have, but I think there's some other stuff going on. We think about someone, and then, boom, they're, they're calling you on the phone. Yep. Like, they're, that just, to me, is too coincidental sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's random. Sure. Like, say if it's someone that you talk to all the time, yeah. and then they call you. Of that's course. That's just coincidence. Yeah, no big deal. But there's some times, man... Where you just you're talking about someone and all of a sudden the fucking phone rings and I go look at this this is crazy yep you haven't talked to them in four years exactly calling you right there exactly there's something to that yep and they and you ask them like why'd you call me just stop right now I'm not I'm not saying like why you call me sure, sure sure I'm saying like what was going on like what caused you to call me I don't know I just had a weird feeling <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> man that's crazy I know It's all that's the crazy. time yeah, it's, yeah that's yeah well, and you can also tell when people are creepy too right. You can tell when someone's a creep. Mm-hmm. There's like there's something the weird, vibe that you pick up weird vibe. What is that? Like, what's
1: that? I really do think that there's something that you know. Verbal communication is a very small way in which we communicate. Right. There's so much more to it because you know yeah. there are times when you walk into a room and you already know who you're gonna like and who you don't. Mm-hmm. Who you and the ones that you don't. Then you need to spend the next whatever long it takes you to find the reason why you don't click.
2: Yeah.
0: But
1: you already know it. There's that something there is going on. and it's, it's a smell. And I think most people trust their perceptions. So they're like, no, no, I need to find out the rational reason. Why would I have these preconceptions? So to me, it's like if you feel it, there's probably good reason for it. You yeah. know, if you have a strong feeling about it, I would trust it rather than not.
0: Fuck yeah. Yeah, trust it rather than not is a good way. And, you know, don't trust it like, that's definitely a witch. Yeah, you know? no, not that. <laughs> no,
1: well, do not burn I knew the, it. Do not burn your people at the stake.
0: That's a bad idea. Yeah. That was a weird time too, right? It's just amazing to me that um, the United States is such a recent sort of experiment in self-government and that no one has done anything like that since then mm-hmm. that's what's kind of really amazing to me when i stop and think about all the wacky shit that's ta- taken place in america over the last 300 plus years and then no one else has done that no one else has said look we found the spot in australia and uh, the australian government has allowed us to carve off a big chunk and right let's let's call it you know whatever Dan- Daniel land I'm all for it <laughs> And I swear I'll be a good leader I won't <laughs> Screw all your wives Maybe but We'll seems, see It seems like what What's also amazing is that The United States has managed to become The number one superpower in the world mm-hmm. As a, a group of all crazy immigrants That all moved into one spot Yep Yeah, no, the story of the United States
1: is fascinating because, yeah, you don't, and probably it's never going to happen again because, you know, that was the product of a war that did not know about, oh, there's this other con, you know, you find out, it's new, it's exciting, it's everything. Now you know what's out there. I mean, unless you go for space exploration, nothing like this will happen in the history of planet Earth. It just
0: The only way it can happen is a reset, a civilization reset. Yeah. Like, there would have to be, like, a bunch of people die. Like, Ap- most people die.
1: Apocalypse. Most yeah. people lose the knowledge of what was going on before. Yeah. Then, yeah, sure. You can have a post-Gram Hancock kind of story. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah post Graham Hancock. That's t- entirely possible, too. Yeah. That's entirely possible. Although, I did read something very recently that they think, um, um, what was the uh, super volcano that... Killed most people on the planet seventy thousand years ago. They found one pocket of humans that actually survived yep. and thrived in Africa, but they think that the entire population of uh, human beings at that point in time, seventy thousand years ago, the entire population in the world was only around a hundred thousand people. Wow, that's yeah. nothing. And then it dropped down to ten thousand. Wow. Ten thousand people. Because of the supervolcano. So the supervolcano blew. It wiped out most life. It wiped out most people. It plunged the earth into some sort of a nuclear winter. Mm-hmm. I forget where it was. I want to say it was Bali or Indonesia. Mount Toba. Where was that? Indonesia. Yeah. Indonesia. Yeah. yeah. Sumatra. Sumatra. Killed literally 90% of the people. Mm-hmm. And 10,000 were left. So 70,000 years ago, we were down to 10,000 humans which makes all the things about racism so silly. Dude like- that's uh, that's a good show for Kevin Hart. Right. Not even. That's a light crowd for Kevin Hart. Exactly. It's like <laughs> oh, 10,000 people didn't that yeah, It's exactly. like a fucking Blink-182 concert. Yeah. <laughs> 10,000 people, man. That's yeah, nothing. that's nothing. It's- you stop and think about that. It's insane. I've done 10,000 people in a night before. In uh, Denver, I did two shows. They're five 5,000 each. Wow. That's 10,000 people. That's the fucking entire population of Earth. Yep. And that now became 7 billion. 70,000 years later. Yeah, it's nuts. We're so weird. Yeah. We're such a an weird animal. Like, if you could study us without being us, like, if somehow or another you could r- remove all yeah. of your cultural conceptions and all the all the things that you've just sort of... Accepted and establishes fact mm-hmm. as a human and just look at it completely objective you'd be like what a nutty animal this thing is What the fuck are we doing? Yeah,
1: that's why It never gets old to study the human psyche like what makes people choose this because that's the beauty of human beings We have choices that you know, uh, uh a wolf is a wolf. There are only so many things you can choose as a wolf. Right. You're, you're, you know, yeah. You could have a wolf that adopts one strategy, one another, but the range of choices is pretty limited. Yeah. As humans, we have this insane range of choices, and it's fascinating to see what is that makes some people go in one direction and a completely different
0: one. And it's fun. It is fun. And what's fascinating to me about human beings of today is I've never seen a time where people are more interesting, more interested, rather in other people doing what they want them to do mm-hmm. like other people thinking the way they want them to think other people behaving the way they want the people want. it seems to me are more concerned with controlling people's expression and thinking today than ever before and even more so on the left it seems like I'm seeing this w- interesting trend today where people like it's almost like we don't like where things are headed we don't like what's happening. We don't like who the president is. So people are, are being real adamant about enforcing certain types of behavior. And that, in turn, just like we're talking about suppressing people from drinking alcohol, that, in turn, makes people rebel. Of course. That's, I, have, uh, I feel like there's more people that are leaning right today than ever before. And I, I attribute it entirely to the people on the left. But You know,
1: the thing that's funny about it is that most human beings, even if you just look at the United States, right, most people are not the extreme right or the extreme left. No. The overwhelming majority are not. Right. I think a lot of this stuff is also a little bit media created in the sense that it's like, let's find the most batshit crazy person on that side. Sure. Let's put the spotlight on them, which make everybody go like, what the fuck? Who yeah. are those crazy people? And that's how it's kind of like if you were to pick, you know, the Westboro Baptist Church and make it be representative of Christianity. Mm It's like, it's not, you know, but if you keep putting the spotlight there, you'll create this perception, will create a backlash, and it becomes this thing where, like, that's one of the funny things that I was noticing, because like, I really don't like political correctness. I really don't like academia. I really don't, you know, there are 10,000 of these things where I'm like, yeah, that's I'm completely on board with not liking some of these things but then there's another side where you know I have been teaching a university since 2001 right I don't think I've seen once a case of the kind of political correctness that I see in articles in media not once you know like I was doing the math I had probably maybe 11,000 students in my classes over the course of these years and I don't. I haven't heard one person ever defend a hardcore communism or make an argument, even among my colleagues, which I have issues for other reasons. That's never been one of the things. So I'm yeah. like, I keep hearing about it. I read it on papers, but why is it that when I spend, you know, that's how I make my living. I'm on college campuses all the time. I hardly ever see it. Mm. And so I'm thinking, I'm not saying that it's not true. Of course it's, I mean, of course these stories are true. There's right. no argument. But what I'm wondering is how much do they get blown out of proportion because you get clicks, because it makes Mm -hmm. for an interesting narrative, which then some people also leave off that kind of narrative. And I'm like, how much is it something where you are putting the spotlight on a rare exception and make it the norm versus how much it's a real thing? Because... You know you would expect i mean i teach in southern california and some of the most you know santa monica is one of the most liberal places around right if this thing was as dominant as advertised i should be running into it all the time right and i don't like that stuff so i would be sensitive you know i would be paying attention and yet i don't see it so i'm like hmm what's going on here that's
0: interesting well i think the instances are more frequent than ever before but i also think if you put it into perspective and think about how many universities there are mm-hmm. across the country. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of universities. Mm-hmm. And if you have one incident that breaks out one month in one place. Exactly. And it was about one conservative speaker that's going to give a lecture. And mm-hmm. everybody freaks out and goes crazy. And they, yep. the, all the people with green hair fucking bang on the windows. <laughs> it's... uh. It becomes something that people are worried about spreading, mm-hmm. and so I think that's one of the one of the reasons. Because like, I'm sure you're familiar with the story from Evergreen University, mm-hmm. Evergreen State. Yeah, and that um, was a fascinating story. And for people who are interested in it, Google uh, Brett Weinstein and um, Evergreen State College, and you can listen to him on my podcast. I had him on right after it all went down. What had happened was there was a thing called the Day of Absence that had traditionally been people of color would stay home just so that people would recognize that like oh when they're not there we miss them and we miss their contributions and they're an important part of our community. I think that's a little silly to stay home I to agree do that, with you. but I think it's not a bad thing for people to recognize that everybody plays a part and if these people feel marginalized, give them a little extra juice. Mm-hmm. That's fine, but the real hardcore social justice warriors decide that's not enough. Instead, what we want is all white people to stay home. And, like, you can't do that. Of course. Because now you're telling people to stay home versus allowing people to stay home in which case you miss them. Of this course. is the opposite. Exactly, you're telling these white people to fuck off. So Brett, who is like a fiercely progressive person, mm-hmm. was telling people like, "You are making a mistake here. You're getting out of line. This is not the way to do it." Right. And then they went crazy, and they're fucking looking for him with baseball bats, and they, you know, they 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 literally kidnapped classes. They held a teacher. They held the principal uh, or the president of the school in uh, this room. And even when he, they went to the bathroom, they escorted him to the restroom and then brought him back to the room. They wouldn't let people leave. The stories are amazing. No, I mean, in fact, that stuff is
1: complete right. batshit crazy. Line, complete right? batshit and crazy. We completely agree on that. It's like yeah. that is ridiculous. That has no place anywhere. That's bullshit that you don't do stuff like that is just... Same thing as, like, you know, the Jordan Peterson thing in mm-hmm. Toronto. Yeah, That policy was a stupid policy, and he was right in arguing against it. So I'm not arguing that those are, that they are wrong. No, They're no, I right. know
0: no, you're not. you no, are completely
1: you're right. My issue is from there to arguing that this is this super prevalent thing, it's like, from one story or one story there to say instead, you know, there's a communist conspiracy to brainwash us all is like, okay, we're, we are starting from a completely understandable premise and taking it like 25 steps too far.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know. I agree. And but I think that what what's happening is more of these unusual situations are occurring. And so people are terrified of this spreading like wildfire across the country, because Kids are very easily influenced, mm-hmm. you know, and they're also idealistic, you know, they, they want to sure. change the world. Maybe they grew up with a father who was an asshole and a racist and like, fuck this, no racism, no sure. fascism. And they're, they're calling everybody a Nazi and running down the street. But that's, and
1: in fact, I have it as a question, not as a something I'm sure of. But what I wonder is how much of this is media media fueled Mm -hmm. and how much is real
2: i mean that some of it
0: is real for sure my question is how much is some well Um. there's most certainly media influences people and it influences people in a bunch of different ways it shows that you can get attention for doing certain Mm -hmm. things it shows that other people are in support of maybe what you thought were your radical ideas and you find other radical people as well But, I mean, that's also the argument for not publishing the name of school shooters, Mm -hmm. right? It's because a lot of these people think that this is media fueled by people that are seeking attention. I I think they're probably right in in a certain respect. But it's also just a part of who we are, and I think it, it makes us really consider and take into responsibility what is significant about broadcasting ideas and how much influence these ideas have on people who absorb them, for people sure, who take them in.
1: For sure, I think my issue with some of these thing is that often it becomes a partisan thing. It becomes my mm-hmm. guy. When your guys do that and they show those totalitarian things, then boo, bad totalitarians. When right. my guys do it, I'll turn the other way and pretend it's not true. To me, in fact, it's not a one particular ideology or another. It kind of goes back to what you were saying about human nature in general, totalitarianism. You know, this idea that you want to control what people think their choices is horrible, regardless of who's doing it. And in that case, nobody has a monopoly on this because you have seen uh, hardcore religious fundamentalists push totalitarianism. You have seen, you know, atheist ideologies like communism pushing Marxism, totalitarianism. Yeah. Completely, right? You see people on the political left, people on the political Right. Everybody is. It's a virus, you know, it's right. a virus of the mind that when it takes over, there's this desire to squash all other choices. Mm. And I find it equally horrible, regardless of who's doing it. Yeah. You know? I'm a little suspicious when the narrative becomes, look at those guys doing it. And you're only picking one side. It's mm-hmm. like there are some guys where I see even they desperately try to be like, no, I'm fair, look, I pick on my... I was listening to somebody doing this thing. I think it was more right-wing oriented and he was saying, oh, this time we are wrong. And I was like, oh, look at that. That's kind of a self-criticism. That's interesting, mm-hmm. let me listen. We are wrong because we are just like the left and you should hear what the left... Had done. And then for the next half hour, he goes on about the left. I'm like, that's not self-criticism, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, you're still a partisan shill, you know? That's like not being honest to me is... And that, I think, what bugs me is when it's an ideological battle, when you want to score points, as opposed to saying, look, there are certain things that are fucked up, that are evil, totalitarianism, regardless of which adjective is attached to it, is bad. Yeah. How about we agree on that? You know, that's... That's kind of where some, sometime I feel a little sketchy in the way the narrative gets pushed, that it becomes a my tribe versus your tribe thing.
0: Well, you would probably know better than most because you've been teaching in universities for so long. I mean, you would see mm-hmm. that you, you're on the battlefield. I think a lot of what it is is a lot of what you were talking about before, about people doing horrific things, is that they're cowards, Mm -hmm. and they just give in to the whims of those around them and the the mob mentality, and I think that happens with the right-wing ideology that you see expressed in horrific ways, like, you know, whether it's... uh, you know, it's, I mean, fill in the blank. It could be Charlottesville, sure. it could be any of these uh, horrific things that have happened where right wing people got together and protested, versus what happens with the left. I mm-hmm. think it's a lot of it is just people wanting to be a part of a group, people wanting to be a part of this uh, this thing that gives them they have this f- feeling of being in a tribe and solidarity and and they go along with whatever the ideology is that tribe's pushing.
1: Absolutely, and that to me is such a danger because is, you know, that sense of belonging is something that all human beings crave to one degree or another. And so it's the same thing that make people join cults, is the same thing that make people join some hardcore political position, is the same thing that make people join biker Mm gang. It's the same mentality, right, is we need to, as our tribe, our group, with the same clothes, with the same ideas, we stand for, because it feels good to have other people who uh, embrace you as one of them, who treat you well as a result, but of course the price to pay is your individuality. Right. Because you have to kind of sacrifice the complexity of who you are in order to fit in neatly into this box
0: Yeah, and you kind of have to look you, you have to shut out objectivity mm-hmm. Because if you if you look at things objectively, you're gonna say well, we're fucked up, too And this is this doesn't make any sense and why am, these aren't my enemy They're just people that are on a bad path Like I've exactly. gone down a, a road. I could have gone down that road too if I mm-hmm. lived over in that community you know, I've I've found myself in this one spot that leans left, and so I'm leaning left, too. Right. Yeah. Well, how does that stop, though? This is my question about all that kind of stuff. Like, what could ever happen? What could you foresee happening in history where people could look past that and sort of figure it out and go, you know what? There has got to be a better way mm-hmm. to behave and think. And this is probably one of our main concerns, because if you really look at what if you ask people what's our main concern well war okay sure uh the economy that's that's big and then you know and there's a host of other things mm-hmm. that bother people crime and education all these different things well what what is causing all of this conflict what is what is causing it well a giant percentage of what we're talking about is some sort of a weird tribal behavior where mm-hmm. you get a get a group You become a part of that group, and then that's what you identify with. So that's what you reinforce, and then you get some sort of brownie points for reinforcing the ideologies of that group. And you, you know, if you're the most rabid person, you're Uh the the Steve Bannon of that group. Everybody rises up and gets behind you. This motherfucker's at the front of the line, (laughs) exactly supporting our values. Yep, and then you know, you find these communities online where people just they're constantly signaling to all these other people in that group. That they're f- supporting this ideology mm-hmm. and they get all these likes and I me mean, like I feel like likes on Twitter and on Instagram and stuff like that I feel like that's shaping people's opinions and behavior way more than anyone is taking into consideration totally. I mean even the fact that you know the algorithms make sure that you
1: only see the stuff that you already click like yes. so you start seeing the same threads over and over yes. the same topics It really is creating echo chambers, and that's really not good.
0: It's fucking horrible. You know, it's weird. And it's weird what people like and what people don't like. Mm -hmm. A lot of what people like is just really stupid. I mean, how many girls are getting fake asses just for likes on Instagram? I know. It's probably a lot, right? definitely. It's a a very, very interesting time for human beings. I feel like for you as a person who is deeply knowledgeable about history, and you study history, and you have this history podcast, and... When you look at today, do you ever try to look at today in a perspective of someone in the future trying to teach about today? Yeah, and the thing is that
1: as much as there are obviously cycles in history and there are patterns that are recognizable and all of that, today is also so damn unique because if you look at just, forget everything else, if you look at the way just technology has shaped us, The Mm. last 150 years are unlike the previous 200,000 years. You know, Mm. the stuff that has happened in the last 150 years from electricity, the refrigerator, internet, radio, TV. It's like the pace of technological development is something that nobody has ever even come close in human history before. So we are in a place where we're really in uncharted territory, where the, the human mind has evolved so much from where Happy Monk is running around but we are now we have these tools to do stuff that we are really not prepared to deal with to a large degree and so it's kind of a big open question uh, how where do we go from here because there's no previous model that you can say well that one time three thousand years ago when they invented the internet they handled it this way it's like there's nothing like it you know the tools we have at our disposal are unlike anything that has ever happened before so there's that's <laughs> one of the cases where you know, usually history you can see, oh, you learned right. this lesson. You can definitely learn about human nature and how the human mind works, but then from there you have to predict how the human mind will be applied to a context that's unlike anything any other context that I've ever faced us
0: before. And uh, then the big concern is that the human mind will create an artificial mind that won't take into consideration any of the previous cultural ideals yeah. that we've supported. And it'll just go run rampant. Yep. Uh, DARPA has created a, a, a robot that I've been t- raving about. It drives me crazy. It's called the Eater Robot E A T R. It uh, it operates on biological material, meaning it f- is fueled by eating bodies. Okay, what could possibly go wrong with that? The idea is that on the battlefield, I'm sure they're not talking about this They've conveniently left this like one of the things like well, maybe you could eat plants uh, Maybe you could eat a rabbit or something like that. right or maybe give you could eat fucking people. Yeah, like my my number one concern with all this stuff is that i think it's happening so fast and so many things are taking place in so many different realms when it comes to innovation that this stuff will just catch up to us before we even recognize it's happened and it'll be too late for sure i mean even just
1: forget everything else even just the whole uh, atomic bombs issue wow well, yeah. for the last ever since we started from the 1940s to today there have been some seriously close calls. Yeah. You know, there was, um, remember the one, there was one in the 1980s, I think, right before the end of the Cold War, where there was, in Russia, you know, the guy goes to his boring job where they are supposed to look for missiles from the United States, and nothing ever happened day after day after day. And then one day, there's a bleep on the radar, and they're like, oh, shit. And it's the guy's job to call his superiors. And then if he does, the odds are they are going to press the button and And he's like, no, 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 wait, let's calm down. Maybe he's wrong. Americans are not that stupid. They will not send one atomic bomb. If they do it, they send a bunch. So this must be a mistake. Let's all relax. Three minutes later, another blip, another blip, another blip. He's like, oh shit, they are sending a bunch of atomic bombs. This is the real deal. And the guy still doesn't do what he's supposed to. He feels like, if I make this call, nuclear war starts, I need to be 3,000% convinced. The evidence in front of me is pretty solid, but I still don't feel it. And then five minutes later, all the blips go off. It was a mistake on the radar, and it was Ugh. like some random blip. And Ugh. the guy promptly drank a bottle of vodka straight <laughs> because he was like,
0: you know, he the, almost caused World War Three. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And you know, most of us owe their lives now to some Russian dude in the 1980s who decided not to do what he was supposed to, and then wow. didn't. All because of a stupid mistake a stupid bug in the radar that's unbelievable that's when you know that the technologies we have are way too much for our decision
0: making or way not enough because it should be better detection exactly that's the other side right nothing i mean what was it a flock of birds what was it
1: i don't even know what the real thing was Uh,
0: yeah that's that kind of shit terrifies me it's just the, the ability to do something like that without the the understanding or the discipline to create it is really nuts. Mm-hmm. I always liken it to like giving a baby a gun. Like the baby didn't figure out how to use no. that gun. They didn't invent it. They don't know how to load a, a, a round, but they can just fucking pull that trigger. Bang. Yep. And people can die. That that can happen. People get killed by toddlers all the time. People leave their purse in their in their bag. Toddler yep. picks it up, shoots himself, shoots someone else. It happens all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Um, Human beings have access to all sorts of technologies that we would never be able to figure out on our own. Yeah, and we don't we with those great with the great responsibility that comes with using those things. There should be some sort of great knowledge that you have to acquire about the thing itself, like some sort of some reasonable facsimile of like what it took to create that thing. Mm -hmm. Like some deep intensive program. Like hey. You want to you want to learn how to drive a car? Like this is how an engine was developed. Right. This is this is how brakes work. This is how and you got to know you can't half ass this or Right. you know the same should be said about guns, same uh-huh. should be said about everything. We just have access to too much shit that we would never be able to figure out on our own. Yeah. And we're like, "Well, just fucking try it." Press yeah. that button. See what happens. You <laughs> know,
1: old "my beer" approach to things, right? It's like learn how to use it. Then we can talk about how. Yeah.
0: And they keep coming up with new ones. Didn't Russia come up with some new supersonic missile? Like just a few days ago, they announced yeah, it. I hear about it? Better off. Yeah. You're better off not hearing about
1: it. Scary stuff. Will all uh, you know, all your, all the guests on the GRE will be here now. Uh, in your compound with float tanks and stuff to survive
0: the apocalypse when the zombies attack. You don't want to be a survivor. I mean, you maybe want your ancestors to survive, so you should survive, but the, your ancestors might get raped and eaten. Right. The like, process of surviving
1: yeah. doesn't look like
0: a fun one. Yeah. Right. Like, if you were around in Indonesia 70,000 years ago when the big one blew, and yeah. you were one of the survivors, and you're you know picking through the wreckage of civilization no good times definitely fuck man but then again if it wasn't for them we wouldn't have disneyland <laughs> which is a very <laughs> important point yes <laughs> if it wasn't for them no netflix nope if it wasn't for them no iphone yeah. all because of people in indonesia yes all because those people did eat those dead people yep yeah. all because those people did figure out a way to somehow or another get enough nutrients from whatever the fuck they ate to compensate for the fact they were involved in nuclear winter that's nuts man yeah it's crazy and it's, but it makes you realize we just we the people that are listening to this the people that are alive today we're not going to make it just we are not going to make it like everyone's so hopeful that the human right. race is going to make it and that's one of the reasons why we have offspring and loved ones and friends and even if I'm gone I want everyone else to be happy mm-hmm. you know I had a great time while I'm here don't cry for me but no one's making it. They're not gonna make it either. You're just prolonging their life like everyone's life is going to come to a wall Everyone's how the game works, but we're cool with that. We're cool with grandma dying grandma died But she was 97 years old. when She yeah. died. She was a wonderful woman. and She was loved by many. Everybody's cool with that You know, what we're not cool with everybody dying all right. at once. Yeah, that's- the end. This is the end of the experiment Yeah, this is the end of the process. Fuck. No, it's not the end it's just, we're going to, everyone's going to die and then we're going to restart with monkeys. It's going to take another few million years, but the chimps will eventually become people again.
1: It's, uh, it's kind of what Graham says that if, if anybody's going to survive, it's going to be the people who are living close to hunting and gathering conditions today yeah. that are seen as, you know, the most backward people in the world are the ones who actually have a shot at making it in a sure. apocalyptic situation.
0: Yeah. Like people in the Amazon or mm-hmm. something like that. They're, they're probably the only ones that have a chance. Yep. What's the matter, Jamie?
3: You see this going around the story about this uh, new company that can upload your brain, but it kills you. What? Yeah,
0: a startup <laughs> is pitching a mind uploading service that is 100% <laughs> fatal.
3: I, mean, I think they're taking like people that are already terminal patients and whatnot. That's their first sort of. And they're gonna test upload subjects. their mind. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. They're
0: know. gonna give you some bullshit Outwork. scrambled version. Of what you're it's gonna be all swastikers. <laughs> <laughs> like like we found grandpa's brain and uh, we're gonna upload it now and you'll be able to look into his thoughts. Oh, it's all dicks. Grandpa's all dicks and, and Nazi memorabilia. <laughs> Preserve your brain and upload a company. It's chemical solution can keep a body intact for hundreds of years, maybe thousands, as a statue of frozen glass. What The idea is that someday in the future, scientists will scan your bricked brain and turn it into a computer simulation. So they don't even know how to do it yet. This is bullshit. That way, someone a lot like you, though not exactly you, will smell the flowers again in a data server somewhere. What? Yeah. What? Okay. The story's a grisly twist, though. For neck tomes procedure to work it's essential that the brain be fresh the company says its plan is to connect people with terminal illnesses to a heart lung machine in order to pump its mix of scientific embalming chemicals into the big cartoid arteries in their necks Mm -hmm. while they're still alive though under general anesthesia thank god you put them under before you kill them because we want them to experience any pain before they go into the great Frozen glass statue beyond there's wow. a waiting list of course. There's a waiting list a bunch of fucking idiots <laughs> Jesus Christ people are stupid oh, man. There's a you know hundreds of thousands of people signed up to die on Mars Do you know that yeah to have yeah. the opportunity to be one of the f- first people to die on Mars? Hundreds of thousands of people signed up Yeah You don't want to be the first <laughs> <laughs> to be locked in a spaceship for six months with a bunch of other people so fucking stupid They're willing to die on Mars.
1: Yeah, and then that's... you get there
0: they're just talking about social justice the entire way, <laughs> all, the, all the way over. They're talking about <laughs> veganism and social justice, and oh man, yeah. You know. Elon Musk on first Mars explorers: good chance you'll die. Oh. Good chance. <laughs> How about one hundred percent? You're gonna die whether you stay here. Yeah. Stay here. Good chance you'll die. You're dying. Everyone's dying. You're gonna die. That's the fucked up thing. We just don't want everybody to die all at once. Mm-hmm. We're cool with uh, small groups of people that are brown that die in caves on the other part of the world. If we could be convinced they're primitive, they, they hold these ridiculous beliefs and uh, we don't even know them. Right. So it's, we're just going to kill them with robots. Yeah. It's somebody out there. Who cares? It's not us. Yeah. I think just the rate of change is happening so fast. There's going to be a lot of dumb shit like this. Mm-hmm. It happens along the way. Of course. It's like the bell bottoms of technology. It's like, what is th- What the fuck were they thinking? And it's just going to keep keep happening like that it's i mean
1: you think about even most of the stuff that we do today like which foods are okay to eat and which ones not how many people like to go oh look at that greg is gone he ate the wrong plant so let's make a note that we do not eat that plant yeah are we sure that's all greg ate yeah exactly he's like well maybe we
0: should still eat it let's try one more time yeah get mike to eat it yeah he's got an iron stomach (laughs) that dude eats old carcasses and shit I mean, they had to, like, express it somehow or another in a way that everybody would remember it, too. Probably in songs and shit. Yeah. Yeah, because
1: exactly. That's the other thing. How do you pass information in a society that's not literate? And yet people did it. I mean, when you think about things like the Iliad or the Odyssey, Mm -hmm. you know, these long-ass compositions completely passed on orally. You know, without, you know, by the time they wrote them down, it was centuries down the road. It's like, that's some... Pretty insane thing that humans were able to do and, like, memorize all this stuff.
0: Yeah, really insane. You know, I was thinking the other day about songs, like how crazy the technology of remembering things through songs are. Because if, like, you think of all the songs you could sing along to the words, mm-hmm. now think of how many poems that you could recite. It's, like, very few. Or stories right? that you can... Yeah. Re- well, poems, maybe because they rhyme, but reciting a story verbatim, almost none. No. Very few, but... Like we were uh, at the comic store the other day, we we're talking about um, um, grammar and sentence structure and stuff like that. And uh, I brought up those uh, ABC after-school mm-hmm. things, like conjunction junction. What's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. Like, you know what it is. Like, you know, I'm just a bill sitting here on Capitol Hill. And, like, they explain of course. these things in a way that you could remember fucking decades later. Yep. You would never remember. You would never remember if it wasn't for those things. There was a guy... Um... Name Arius,
1: was like one of these, uh, like back when they had the Council of Nicaea and they kind of decided what is real Christianity going to be and what we decide to be the Mm -hmm. fake stuff. Arius was on the losing side, but part of the thing that made him insanely popular is that he put on all his theology in songs, exactly like what you're saying. So there would be this super complicated thing about, you know, Jesus being kind of like God the Father, but not really, and da-da-da like really brainy stuff put on like a silly song that the guy would sing while he's baking bread and stuff and so he was
0: ridiculously popular because he figured that's how people pick up stuff it um, is how people pick up stuff you know i mean to this day right like pronouns you, i think of that song pronouns take the place of a noun because saying all those nouns over and over can really wear you down They didn't da, miss da, too many days at da, school da, good da, job da, da, da. That that stuff for whatever reason sticks. Of course, I wonder why. Like making things rhyme, and and putting them in song, has a particularly profound effect on your memory. Yeah, it is funny because even when you look at babies you know they
1: respond to music so much they have that immediate like some sounds that click with the the developing mind of a baby you mm-hmm. don't need to have culture you don't need to have knowledge you don't need to have as baby you can still pick up things and remember them and yeah you know, or sometime you know somebody put uh, some music and one note goes and the babies immediately recognize it. it is like i know what this is it's right, like, that's right. the one i enjoy and there's, so a sure. video the other day, by the way, it was fucking hilarious. In uh, in Italy, this it is uh, this little kid is probably two or three years old, and the dad keeps trying to play like children's song, and the baby's pissed off, and he's like, "No, no, no!" And he's like, "What do you want?" And he says something, and the dad is like, "Okay, fine, we'll do this again." And Whole lot of love by Led Zeppelin started <laughs> and the baby just lights
0: up. He's so happy. He's like,
1: "Yes, that's hilarious." That's what
0: we are talking about. It would be amazing if that kid grows up to be like a big rock star, right? <laughs> <You> imagine.
3: <laughs>
0: you yeah, get him into a whole lot of love when he's a baby. Exactly.
1: That to me is like. I kind of did that a lot with my daughter because I'm like, I hate to do this to you, but you're my daughter and I want to listen to good shit. I don't want (laughs) to listen to stupid baby stuff all the time. Uh. So it's like even to this day, like she goes to bed with Hendrix. Like there's Hendrix as a lullaby. Of course, the mellow Hendrix, is the hardcore stuff is for the day. But like at night when she want to go to sleep, I'll put on like... The more mellow things, like when Andrew's playing acoustic guitar or like Little Wing or something yeah, like that. And I'm yeah. like, that I can tolerate. Don't give me any baby shit stuff because I just, I mean, right now she's not a baby, but even when she was little, I'm like, sorry, I can't do that. That's... They
0: like it though. The thing about baby stuff is like babies like baby stuff or even little kids like little kid stuff. Like my kids like a lot of really fucking dumb shows, but they love them. Right. It's like, what can you do? Can you say, no, you can't love that because it's too fucking stupid, but it's not stupid to them. I can tolerate it if we balance it with something
1: else. I'm like, right. okay, watch it. That's fine. I get it. It's part of your developmental stage. Good for you. Right. But give me something here. Okay. Let, let, let's let find a middle ground here where we can listen to the same music or watch something. Like, And that's where I recognize I may have done irreparable damage to my <laughs> offspring because I realized like the other day we watched a movie and... My daughter's comment to basically say, this is the coolest thing ever, was like, it's as good as Conan the Barbarian. That I was like,
0: (laughs) yes, I'm glad you're my daughter. Was she talking about the books or was she talking about the movie, though? All of it. She she
1: loves the, you know, the one Conan that was good, Arnold, uh, Arnold, the original, the 1982. And, of course, yeah, I read her old uh, Robert E. Howard stories. Wow. You know, I changed the language slightly because sometimes the language is a little, like, you need to really have a crazy vocabulary for an eight-year-old you're not going to pick it up so i kind of tweak it a little but then you know all the good stuff is there
0: and uh, i feel like the best conan could have been jason momoa they just gave him a shit movie yeah the script was like, my mom is so good. He's very good. And he looks and... like a fucking barbarian. Like, you believe it. Perfect. Big, giant guy. And he's also not built like a bodybuilder. He's right. just built like a guy who's in really good shape, mm-hmm. which you would think Conan would be. There he is. Right. I think he was the best Conan. No, he seemed to me to be the most realistic. Uh, maybe could he use a little bit more gym time, but not nothing crazy. But the problem had yeah, the scripts—that's yeah. something that sometimes
1: frustrates me. When you see like ev- all the elements are there and uh-huh. the screenwriting sucks, sucks, you're
0: just like, "Come on, man!" Sucks. Screenwriting—just straight dog shit. But he was fucking great as Conan. Like you believed it. Yep. No, he he is- just looked evil enough, and it looked like a guy who. Really was a sword fighter who really did live in that era. Mm-hmm. Whereas Conan, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, you're like wait a minute, what, this guy's got no armpit hair. Yeah, he's yeah. fucking <laughs> <it's little. laughs> he's <just laughs> completely shaved down. Yeah, built like a brick shit. I was like, it just he was freakishly big. Yeah, that's actually a picture. He looks fairly reasonable there. Right, Good old but he said, old old you old. know, now that I think about it, he was actually quite a bit leaner in those days than he was yeah. in his bodybuilder day. Yeah. Yeah, that one was just awesome. But he was still nice. this is definitely the dude had been doing some bench pressing. It wasn't uh, someone who just swung club bells around and You mean he didn't get those muscles just by pushing the wheel of pain. That was just. part of it too. Right. There was the. definitely
1: that. A little bit of that too. Oh man! On that note, I've been um, the last couple of years. I've been playing a lot in the world with screenwriting and stuff. I'm so excited with that. I'm just getting because you know the the thing that I enjoy, like in History on Fire and stuff like that, is storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I realize I end up doing that in whatever field I'm. You know, whether when I'm teaching, most of it is storytelling. When I'm History on Fire, is storytelling. And so I started playing a little with screenwriting because I had good hookups. Man, I'm having so much fun. It's like what are you writing? Well, there's the stuff that looks... There are a few. Like, they are all mostly historical fiction kind of stories, and one of them right now looks really damn promising, but they have threatened me to chop off my balls and nail them to a tree if I talk about it, so I can't really bring it up because that one actually has a shot at making it. Oh, okay. There are other things where um, much more kind of early development, like, for example, oh, I saw you got outside the Frank Frazetta painting, Yeah. So Sarah, the granddaughter of Frank, wants to develop one of the one of the characters that are. one of the Frazetta girls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's the one who does it all. Yeah. Right. Shout and out to Sarah. Um, yeah, she's awesome. She's super sweet and and I and she started asking, you know, I showed her some of my writing, we were chatting, she liked it, and so she wanted me to develop like one of those characters into a create a world around it, like a mm. Game of Thrones, Meet Conan kind right. of thing. And I'm like that's what you're asking me to do or you see that's like the dream job ever is like hell yeah i
0: want to play with that that sounds like fun it would be epic so i think those movies and those shows when done correctly when executed correctly are some of the most entertaining and compelling mm-hmm. things whether it's game of thrones or lord of the rings or yep. just the conan ones were just arnold did a great job and those are fun but they're campy yeah yeah, I mean it, the first one was good. Yeah. The other ones were painful.
1: They,
2: they were really bad. They don't
0: represent Robert E. Howard's no, work. Robert don't. E. Howard's work has still to this day never really totally been mm-hmm. captured.
1: Yeah, I heard that uh, Amazon is going to be doing a
0: Conan series.
1: They're going to fuck where- it up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. They're not going to fuck. I don't know. Maybe they are. If they're doing it, who's going to play Conan? I have no idea. I don't think they picked it yet because they would have announced it. I think they were just
1: saying it's in development. They are gonna try to stick to Robert e. Howard stories. Mm. So who knows? Let's see. But uh, they
0: got the shekels. They could pull out the the big money and get Jason Momoa to get back in the hunt. I know. That he's that's, the he's the Conan. I think. Yeah. You meet the guy. He's like six foot three. He's built like a brick shit house. Yeah. He looks like he would be a barbarian. Like he looks perfect. Like when he played called Drago. Yeah, that
1: was perfect, shit, man. He was perfect. Just, yeah.
0: Yeah. He's you buy it. You yep. see him playing that role, you're like, oh, I buy that. Mm-hmm. He's a savage. He would be awesome. If they did that, man, that would be epic. Yeah. There's,
1: uh, they are doing a bunch of stuff. They are doing that. They are doing uh, a prequel to Lord of the Rings on Amazon. Amazon yeah.
0: Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. They, that Jeff Bezos guy's got a little too much cash. Hey, I'm all for it. <laughs> it's like, do one more. <laughs> yeah, do it all. Look, I mean, yeah. it's just, I mean, he, they have that really good Billy Bob Thornton show, too, that people keep telling me about. I haven't, seen it. About. I haven't it? seen it either. Okay. Um, but people, what is it called again? That Billy Bob Thornton show on Amazon? Uh, Jamie will find it. Sure. I don't, I don't know what it's called, but I know that people keep raving about it. Goliath. Mm. Goliath. Oh, Thank man, you. third of it. Yeah. It's supposed to be really good. Yeah. And you know, the problem with those, here's what's weird. More than half the households in this country have Amazon. hmm I think Amazon Prime. Yep. Like, right? It's like 51% of the households. But how many people are actually watching those Amazon videos? That's a good question. I think
1: once they start putting this kind of money on some of these big shows, the odds that that percentage
0: is going to grow is pretty damn high. Let's find out this. I don't know if Amazon releases their numbers. They don't? Do they do it? Probably not. But Do they do it the same? Well, you don't know. Um, Google, uh, see if what... How many people watch Goliath on Amazon? Maybe we'll find out. Because they... They, no one has any idea how many people are watching things on Netflix other than Netflix. And Netflix, they, they just they don't tell anybody nothing. And clearly must be a good number because they keep producing shows,
1: putting oh, a ton yeah. of money in it, so you know that it's working for them.
0: Well, what they do know is how many people have subscribed to Netflix, mm-hmm. and that's an insane, huge yep. number. But the actual number of people that watch everything, they don't tell you shit. Like no. I have a comedy special on Netflix, they don't tell you nothing. Mm. They go, great job. We like it. Right. (laughs) You have no idea. Well, you like it. Why? Oh, it's great. People love it. Okay, well, how many people love it? Oh, lots. (laughs) There's no fucking, they don't give you any data. Yeah. Which they don't have to and maybe that's good maybe people concentrate too much on the numbers right. you know I mean like uh, so I someone was saying that the Oscars this year uh, the Oscars this year are down by you know 5 million people they still got watched by 25 million people exactly like what yeah. what are we doing here like who cares why is that even a thing yeah
3: exactly why are we even concentrating on that I can't find the viewers but this this is the kind of information they give out
0: that- is the topped binged first season of a US produced Amazon original series ever over its first 10 days that doesn't mean shit <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> no other season. No other season one had a higher season completion rate through ten days. Well, that's interesting. That must mean it's a really good show. So people binged it the first season. Can you get Amazon Prime on uh, I, on Apple TV? Yeah. Is that a part of Apple TV? So I'm always, I'm, or do you have to get one of those fire sticks?
3: I can watch it through my TV. My TV has a thing. has a oh, smart TV app on right. it that I can get it through there. And it says it arrives on Apple TV in over 100 countries as of December. So, yeah. Oh. So, last December? December of 2017, yes. Yeah, so okay, so we ago. have
0: it now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But still, Netflix is just so much more popular. Mm-hmm. It's like Q-tips. Once you, it like becomes the name. all right Like, uh, give me a box of Q-tips. Do you want cotton swabs? No, motherfucker. I said Q-tips. <laughs> you know, it's like, do Do you want to watch streaming video? I want to watch Netflix. All right. But uh, we have Amazon streaming video. Bitch, Netflix. <laughs> Did I stutter? Yeah,
3: but Netflix only took over that recently, right? Because give me to, a fucking iPhone. <laughs> it used to be uh, just I don't want mailed. your bullshit. Yeah.
0: Fake smartphone nonsense. iPhone.
3: Yeah, it's pretty recent. Yeah, it was just mail before. Like, they took over Blockbuster first, and then they're like, and now it's all streaming. Yeah. I mean, you can still get DVDs, I think, but
0: I don't know how many DVDs I do,
1: because I'm a nerd. Do <laughs> you get DVDs still? <laughs> really? Because they don't have the same offerings. There's stuff that they do have on DVD that you they don't have on streaming, and, and vice what? versa. So, like, for example, what was I watching? There was... Um, I think the last season of Vikings, for
0: example. I think that's Did what you watch I was Vikings? trying to watch. Yeah, yeah Dude, I watch I've been watching it now. I'm, in, I'm on season two. It's good. That's the good. St- you know, it kind of... Oh, don't tell me that. <sighs> don't tell me it goes downhill. I'll fucking go crazy. first off. two seasons are awesome. Son of a bitch. You get
3: Game of Thrones that way through Netflix, for instance.
0: Yeah, 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 So yeah. you
3: can rent the DVDs of Game of Thrones exactly. and watch it. But you, yeah, couldn't you can watch it through their streaming yep. app. You, you can only paying, get Game of Thrones DVDs. Yep. Yeah, but you're paying an extra like what ten bucks a month to rent those. And hmm. That's how they use. That's what Netflix was when it started. You know, yep. one, two, three DVDs a month or whatever. That's time.
0: weird. So Netflix DVDs has Game of Thrones. Netflix streaming does not. Exactly. Right. Yeah, they bought well, everything
3: yep. for any DVD you can get. Yeah.
1: That's weird. Yeah, they have a lot more on DVDs than they have just streaming. There's a bunch of stuff that I want to watch. Like, case in point, yeah,
0: Game of Thrones, Vikings. Some of that stuff is. Uh, I used to freak out at not having a physical DVD player mm-hmm. in my laptop. Like, this is r- ridiculous. So I bought one of those ones that plugs in. Yeah, yeah,
1: of course. I never sector. used
0: it once. It really? It just sat there. Because by
1: now you're just watching all on streaming
0: all the yeah, time. or I download them from yeah. iTunes, and right. then they sit on my laptop. I don't – yeah. it's uh, This is all so r- new, but yet we're so convinced that this is, what, this is the future. Right. This is it. Netflix, period. Yep. Everybody else, fuck off. It's locked in. And I think they're doing comedy specials on Amazon as well. Yep. I'm pretty sure Amazon Prime did Bob Saget's new special and a few other people. And that's one of the
1: cool things because Amazon is trying to compete with Netflix so yeah. they are trying to come up so they're going to put an insane amount of money in shows mm. and it's great for content because there's Today, there's probably more possibilities for people doing stuff than ever before. You know, there were before. You had only so many studios producing only so many movies. Now there's so much more.
0: Brian Brian Cowan's on there. Joey Diaz is on there. Brian's on Netflix. Jim Brewer's on Netflix. Um, who else? Tom
3: Papa. Tom Segura's old one.
0: Yeah, Eddie Pepitone. Greg Fitzsimmons. wow, Greg Fitzsimmons. So there's quite a few specials that are available on Amazon. Jim Norton. Mm -hmm. Very interesting.
3: That might be where the what was that one that just closed? That uh,
0: yeah, CISO.
3: Yeah, maybe they just they have a lot of them on there now.
0: Yeah, I bet that's exactly what it is. Yeah, interesting. It says continue watching or watch from the beginning. That means that it. Jamie Vernon was watching it. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, um, I hope it works. I mean, I would love to see a bunch of different viable. Outlets for people to release films and TV shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And God knows Netflix has enough money. I know they. And they so are, does they Amazon. They have ton of fucking money. So does Apple. Yeah, yeah. Apple's not doing that though. Are they going to try to do that? Create uh, original stuff. They
3: have stuff. They have that one uh, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon show that's coming out soon. Look they at me the, Look at me. Look at me. Blah! They did the, <laughs> They had a game show or not game show, but Planet of the <laughs> Apps with like Gwyneth Paltrow, Will <laughs> I Am, Gary Vee was on that.
0: Again, they're trying to get me to throw up.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Not Gary Vee, I mean, they haven't all necessarily been successful, but they're trying.
0: I'm just kidding about throwing out. If you're a gal and you're into those ladies, uh, just don't listen to me. I'm just fuck. Just make it fun. Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, I would like to see more. Um, I just think uh, in terms of, like, your ability to sit down and do absolutely fucking nothing and zone out for days, there's never been a better time. Totally. There's so much stuff available. Apple is reportedly investing $1 billion in original video content. Wow jesus christ okay so apple is added to the mix and that's gary v with a big old smile on his face how does that guy sleep i don't, <laughs> I don't think he does how's he where's he where does he have the time planes i'm pretty busy you yeah know? but that's what that guy that's go, exactly what, what people
1: ask about you is like how does he manage to do like 72 careers in one and mm. go hunting and work out and do this and that is like i don't know i think human cloning there are like really three joe rogan's going around and there are like you have downloaded your consciousness in three different bodies. We're doing some of this stuff. One of them
0: would fuck up hardcore. If I did that, like it's it's hard enough to manage my insanity with one life. Right. If I had three lives going on, one of them I'd definitely go off the rails with. I think it's what I do is, it's more of a it's an illusion that I'm as busy as people hmm. think I am. It's not as busy. It is busy, but. It's less busy with work than people think Hmm. because the podcast is, you know, sitting here with a friend like you and talking for a few hours. It's pretty easy. That's not really that hard. And then the working out. Well, that's just mandatory. You just have to (laughs) do that. And then there's the stand-up comedy. Well, that's kind of a passion project. And it's interesting and i do it all the right like i know i have it timed down like i'll hang out with my family till my kids go to bed which is usually like you know eight ish yep. and that's when i leave right and then i go to the comedy store like i, I know I, I have it pretty much locked in i get my podcast done before the kids get home from school so i'm hanging out with them right I, I know how to do it i'm working out while they're at school for the most part So that's pretty
1: impressive though because that means you have a because you, realistically you do have so much stuff on your plate and the way you make it flow there's that's something in terms of time management i think there will be people willing to take courses from you on how to put it all together because that's
0: a skill right there you have to be really steadfast in what you want to do and what you don't want Mm -hmm. to do and when you don't want to do something, just don't do it. Right. But the, I wasn't able to do this until I really started working for myself. Mm-hmm. Like working for myself and the ability to, like, if you have a bunch of different jobs, but you are beholden to other people's schedules, it's almost unmanageable. Yeah. It sucks. Then you can't do it. But uh, that's one of the things I'm trying
1: to do. I'm trying to, as much as I enjoy being in the classroom, I'm trying to be in the classroom less and less mm. and just do more online and do more podcasts and more. I'm tired of being somebody else's schedule, you know. I, just, no, I, I imagine. don't feel like driving. It's like, I don't mind if you put me in the classroom, that's great. But if I have to drive an hour and a half to get there and then yeah. be stuck in traffic, it's like, fuck this. This is just not fun.
0: Do you feel like there's opportunities, like real viable opportunities for people now to get an education online? I I think think it's legitimate full education. It's definitely emerging. I mean, I think
1: it's uh, part of the problem is that universities kind of have a monopoly on the diplomas, which is something that people sometimes need for their job. It's not that they choose, oh, I want to be educated. There are ways to do it is also they need that piece of paper. And of course, so far, only the official universities have that. But otherwise, yeah, there are a bunch of ways. There's like even, when when was he on? Like Thaddeus Russell had it on that he's starting to do his own thing. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, Thaddeus has yeah. got
0: something called, I told him to change the name. He's calling it Renegade University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, stop. Stop. People are going to think you're a douchebag. <laughs> I, gotta do
1: a, I probably got to do a thing with him. He asked me to do this about history of martial arts. And uh. I'm like, oh, man, I've done... Actually, that's a course I've actually done at UCLA, and it was so much fun. You I'm taught like, it at UCLA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Check this out. This was hilarious. I only had an MA and at UCLA, you need a PhD to teach. Okay. And I was a white guy going into an Asian-American studies department going, you know yeah, in case you haven't noticed, I'm not Asian American and I do only have an MA and uh, I've never taken a course in Asian American studies, but I would love to teach for you. And here is why. And by the time I was done with the pitch about history and philosophy of martial arts, they were like, you're hired. Let's go
0: do it. Oh wow! And I was like, okay. Now, let's... why would they would they want you to be Asian because you're teaching about an Asian subject? I mean, they don't want you to. It kind of works that way because mm-hmm. of
1: the way you know most of the people who teach taking a bunch of classes in uh, ethnic studies usually people who are from that particular ethnic group. Right. In fact, I'm kind of. People always look at me like, "Huh, what's going on here?" Because I do teach in an American Indian Studies department. I have taught in an Asian American Studies department but when you look at everybody else usually they are people who are from that particular ethnic group who are mm. passionate enough to dig in that much to be in that field
0: is there a, is that an issue is there like pushback if you're not i mean
1: it's kind of uh to be fair people have been really cool about it because i mean i've even had the situation where i taught as part of an ethnic cl- uh, ethnic studies class where there were like four people right and there's the african-american studies guy is an african-american guy and the chicano latino is chicano latino and the, and that was the odd one out, right? I was teaching the American Indian study section, and they're like, huh, you just replace my friend, the native lady, who the fuck are you, white guy kind of thing. Right. But, you know, the thing was they want to check you. And then once I did my thing, the first few lessons, they were like, no, he's cool. We like him. It's yeah. all good. And then there was no bullshit. And, like, I would have expected to run into a lot more
0: pushback. That really wasn't. One thing in your favor about when it comes to martial arts, although it is mostly Asian in origin, Mm -hmm. it varies so widely. There's Chinese martial arts, Japanese, Korean. I mean, it goes on and on. Uh, Thai. There's so many different styles. Yep. And then, of course, South America, once Brazilian jiu-jitsu got into the mix. Of course. I mean, they, in my opinion, have revolutionized martial arts more than any other group. I think that one part of the country in South America and Brazil, mm-hmm. they had more of an impact on martial arts, I think, than anyone because they essentially started, I mean, they started the Ultimate Fighting Championships just to see mm-hmm. if their martial art was superior. Yep. And they proved it to be so, at least on its own by by itself yeah. at first, you know, before anybody knew about it. I think that stuff
1: was, uh, there's the whole period from when Japanese martial arts were kind of crashing because nobody was dressing as a samurai anymore, you know, <laughs> doing that stuff didn't make sense anymore, and jujitsu jitsu was seen kind of as low-class activity for gangsters, and, you know, there was less and less popularity for that field. And then when uh, Jigoro Kano, the creator of Judo, started, he was this nerdish upper-class guy, but he was very passionate about Judo, so he transformed the Jiu-Jitsu curriculum into Judo, gave it a whole new spin. He's like, no, it's not this thing to beat people up like all the tags you have seen so far We're using Judo as a form of education. And so then I he didn't start, know that. Yeah, it's a super cool story. And then he starts sending people all over the world to spread it. And so they go to Russia and then mix with Russian thing and they create Sambo, Sambo. and yeah. then come out here and then with uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu when Maeda goes down to Brazil and all of that. So he's like that whole story how it spins is awesome and then you end up with the the joy of globalization where like when you see like hoist going to fight against sakuraba and you Mm -hmm. have you know brazilian dude trained in uh, what originally was an asian martial arts transformed into this brazilian thing wearing a gi going against saku was more of a catch wrestler who had studied more through western wrestling a whole lot because it hilarious. it's like you have the Japanese guy who was a more Western wrestling
0: background. Yeah, and, uh, it's it's funny. That is crazy. The Japanese, especially Sakuraba, were way influenced by catch wrestling, mm-hmm. but which is American folk style wrestling. Yep, yep, yep. yeah. Now I didn't know that um, that jujitsu was used by thugs. Yeah, that was the. Part of the reason
1: why it was in crashing in popularity is because it used to be sort of the samurai arts, right? right? You do that stuff. But then the samurai ended, you know, by the 1870s or so, that was the collapse of the samurai. So there really wasn't a function for this stuff anymore. It's like, wow. And the only people who trained were mostly gangsters and kind of rough guys who trained for because they got into fights on the street. And then Kano, because he was this kind of sickly child, they put him into training in jiu-jitsu to kind of build him up, give him some strength. And he was a complete nerd, but he loved jiu-jitsu. And so he's like, no, 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 don't put it down. It's a great art for other reasons. And he had this old way of spinning it around to say, that was the old stuff, yeah, to beat people up. What we do today is a form of education, is a relationship Mm. with your body. And he basically invented a new function for it so that Japanese society went, oh shit, we can still do that stuff. And now there's a better reason for it that's fitting the times. That's not the same reason why we would train in the 1700s. Right. These actually fit the context of our time. Okay, let's do judo and then. Do they have texts where you could see the techniques or where you could see what mm-hmm. similarities? Yeah. Yeah, there are both ancient jujitsu manuals where there are, you know, the drawings and stuff mm. like that. And then by the time Kano comes around, they even start having footage after a while. Right. With, uh,
0: footage you know. of actual films yeah. of, of u- utilization yeah, they or look, drills. They look goofy as hell because they right. are sped
1: up and they move funny mm. and stuff. But, they uh, yeah, there's great stuff. And some of those guys are just badasses from day one i mean some of the old judo guys they got the reputation for just being killers you know yeah
0: well for sure judo i, I don't i wonder how much jiu jitsu has changed since then to now because obviously um in putting so much emphasis on the ground the brazilians mm-hmm. really refined all the submission yep. techniques to a razor sharp edge and really changed a lot of the original setups and the way people enter into submissions i would love to see what it used to look like even that's funny because if you look at like some old judo like cousin judo where they have is
1: very ground oriented those guys do leg locks really it's like you see these japanese guys from the 1920s leg locking each other Mm. and you're like oh my god so the stuff that today is hot some of these guys were doing and probably wasn't as refined but it was like
0: man they were doing it that's catch wrestling Catch yeah, wrestling was exactly. all about leg locks. Exactly. They were leg locking when, you know, the Americans were really into Brazilian jiu jitsu and stuff. Is this, uh, what do you got here, Jamie? 1600 AD? The history of jiu jitsu or yawara. Huh. Wow. They, they dressed up in like um, Aikido kimonos with the big flowing pants. And the guy's like doing some weird sort of wrist lock. Go go! stop scrolling. Go right up there. Was it like, yeah, it looks like. Yeah, he's wrist locking and got in the yeah, elbow. Yeah, in yeah. Interesting. And then the other one, it looks like he's got, it looks like he's setting up a full Nelson.
1: Yeah, he has a half Nelson on one side. And, and
0: he's got an underhook on the other side. Yeah, gonna, yeah. Probably hmm. going to spin around and slam him right on his face. Yeah. Crazy Um. that they have, you get to look at it in these images. Where they were just trying to figure out like what's the best way to manipulate the body Mm -hmm. it's just amazing to me how much of it came from Japan yep I mean Japan so many interesting techniques and that one area was so vital and so important when it came to the development of martial arts Japan is that weird like the story between China
1: and Japan is very similar to ancient Greece and ancient Rome you know, a lot of the developments came from Greece, a lot of the developments came from China. But then both the Roman and the Japanese took those ideas and then ran with it and mm-hmm. systematized them, gave them a lot more of a structure, gave right. them made them way easier to learn and to teach. Yeah. And then popularized them as a result. And it was like, Yep, now this stuff works. It's a lot easier. Interesting to, too that they brought it to other countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was part of Kano's vision, because Kano was not a nationalist. He did not have this Japan, fuck you, everybody else. He had this idea of, like, this universal brotherhood of mankind, so we need to bring our stuff so that everybody can benefit from it. And and so he sent, yeah, he sent people all over the world.
0: That's amazing. There was I mean,
1: even, I did a podcast, I did a three-part series on, uh, in History on Fire about Theodore Roosevelt, because he was just such a crazy motherfucker, right? He's like the one American president that's the wildest dude out there. And he, in like 1905, 19, somewhere right around there, he had a guy sent by Kano that taught judo to the United States president. Wow! And so Roosevelt was one of the very first Americans ever to to learn some judo.
0: He was such an important president, man. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have the national public lands we have today.
1: Yep. He was awesome. He's yeah. the, you know, I generally speaking, when you talk about U.S. president, is like, different degrees of what I don't like. It's like, okay, I hate this guy. I mildly hate this guy. I really hate this guy. Theodore Roosevelt was one of those dudes who I... I mean, there's some stuff that he didn't say that you're like, oh, shit, okay, that wasn't so good, but so much of it is awesome.
0: What, what did is. he say that you don't like? Well, I mean... You got to
1: give him a pass for when he lived, but he, of course, the, his idea about race, compared to what we would consider cool today, yeah, not the. He had a pretty heavy. Ra- he started a lot more racist than he ended, so I also give him mm. credit for that, for being
0: adaptive. Yeah, very
1: mm-hmm. adaptable and cool in that regard. But clearly, some of his writings was pretty freaky, and, and <laughs> also he's one of the guys who just never saw a war he didn't like. You know, <laughs> he's like war.
0: Yes. Well, he was an adventurer, Let's, right? Yeah. The art of jiu-jitsu is worth more in every way than all of our athletics combined. President Theodore Roosevelt, 1905. I agree. Yep. I agree. Me and Teddy Roosevelt, same page. Good old, you even seem like he lost sight in one eye
1: while he was president because of sparring too hard. Brilliant. He got hit way too hard because he boxed all the time, right? So he got he lost his too, vision. Yep, he lost vision in one Somebody eye. Somebody
0: thumbed the president. Probably. Probably. He's like 10, one in there. Hey, yep. you motherfucker. Yeah, wow, that's a gangster-ass president. Did a lot of big game hunting too, man. That guy went all over the world. Yep, he did. A oh, wild guy, really, when you think about it.
1: My favorite Roosevelt story, speaking of badass, is uh, in uh, 1912, he's running for president again as a third-party candidate, which was cool in itself, right? Because he was challenging both the Republican and Democrats. He is in his car waving to the people, and somebody shoots him from just a few feet away, just straight in his chest. But at the time, he had this 50-page speech he had prepared. So he had all the written notes in his pocket. He had his glass case in his pocket. So the bullet did hit him, but it was slowed down by going through the glass case and the speech. Yeah. But still, you just took a bullet to the chest. You're bleeding and stuff. And so everybody's like, oh, my God, we need to take him to the hospital. And Roosevelt coughed in his hand. He sees that there's no blood coming out. So he said, OK, my lungs are not intact. They haven't been pierced. So what are you talking about, hospital? I got a speech to give. So he shows up with his shirt covered in blood and he goes like, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you know I have been shot, but it takes more than this to kill a bull moose. Wow. And then deliver a 90-minute speech before some of his attendants finally are like, can we now go to the hospital, please? And they're like, okay, sure, now we can go. <sighs> what was a hospital
0: back then, though? You're probably better off not going. I know, exactly. I
2: mean, what the fuck the did other-
0: they do? <laughs> right. They rubbed a dead chicken on your hole. Probably. Like, what, what could they possibly do to fix that back then? Yeah. Yeah. You know, wow. Yeah, I mean, hard times, right? Hard times create hard men. Soft times create a lot of the weak bitches we're seeing (laughs) flopping around in our streets today and that's exactly one of the things that roosevelt hammers on over and over
1: he had this whole idea of the strenuous life the idea Mm -hmm. that you know he came from an upper class super elitist background and he realized and a lot of people back then were thinking you know our kids are growing up to be a bunch of wimps because they are too pampered and so his solution since he was a teenager was boxing wrestling hunting just these very tough manly things and so that's what he thrived on this whole idea of like yeah you need to he had a great quote about you have to keep your barbaric instincts in order to go along with civilization and I was like that's perfect you know that's like the best of both worlds and yeah that guy's I had a blast. I mean, I knew about him, but once you get to do a series, you really need to know your stuff in and out. So it was so fun to study his life. because uh, Well,
0: to stand out like that in the times that he did in the early 1900s, I mean, really, really pretty significant. That's that's actually
1: one of the things that I dig about, uh, that I do a little different from the way Dan approaches hardcore history. Dan tend to look at things from the big picture. You know, he's telling you big picture stories. And I love that. But I also like jumping into... I like biographies. I like sometimes telling the story of this one guy mm. and what it really meant to be this individual in this story. And so I did, you know, I did The Roosevelt. I did one on Crazy Horse. I did one on Caravaggio, the painter we're talking about before. I got to catch up. I got to catch up some on some of your stuff. One that you'll dig. I did uh, Jack Johnson,
0: you know, the first uh, black heavyweight champion. That one is so fun. Cause... You know what my favorite Jack Johnson story is? He got pulled over speeding. Yes, of course. (laughs) Tell it. Tell the story. Tell
1: it. You know what's funny is that's exactly – I was telling Doug Carlin, uh, oh, I'm going to do Jack Johnson. And he said, word by word, what you said. He said, you know what's my favorite Jack Johnson story?
0: (laughs) I wonder if that was – well, tell the story so people know. So
1: what happened was he gets pulled over in some southern state. I believe it was Georgia uh, at the time when, you know, being – I think it was Texas. Might have been Georgia. Everybody has their – you know, not many people had cars, and Jack Johnson was one of the guys who loved his fast cars, and he was speeding, so they pull him over, and the cop is like, hey, boy, this is going to cost you. You owe me $50. And, you know, back then you could pay your ticket on the spot in cash. And Jack Johnson pulled his ca- cash out, start, It is a 100 and the cop is like, I don't have change for that kind of money. And he's like, no, 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 no. Two hours from now I'm going to be driving back the same way, and I'm going to be doing the same speed. So <laughs> I'm just paying you ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hope that was true uh, I, I refuse to listen to anybody that tells me any different fuck that story about the Victorian ta- yeah yeah ta- table we'll I'll give you that one yeah I'll let you take that one but I'm I want to keep that Jack Johnson story
1: well there are too many that he did in public that yeah. fits that persona to think yeah. like it fits you know it's it's how it was he was a dude in 1905 1906 around that time was making a living as a black guy beating up white guys in the ring and sleeping with
0: white women yeah Whew. and he figured it's, it out he did it and he didn't get lynched amazingly no. enough amazing yeah i mean how did they keep that from happening how did they keep that guy alive i mean with the racism that existed back then i mean you're talking about just a few decades after slavery yep he, his parents
1: were born in slavery he was the first <sighs> generation of somebody who was not born in slavery in his family and you know, they say that at times he did sleep with a gun under his pillow. They did say at that.
0: At times? A, yeah. Well, it'd be amazing you if he didn't <laughs> do it every <laughs> fucking <laughs> <just> time. <laughs> how the fuck could you, I mean, how could you even sleep back? Imagine being a black guy at the turn of the century back then yeah. who was just in the kind of racism I don't even think we can comprehend today. No. It's something else. I mean, think about the civil rights movement and the, the, all the, the, you know, the hosing of the protesters and stuff like that. That was 60 years yeah, later. That's the mellow stuff. Yeah, that's that's, everybody had chilled out by then.
1: There was, um, Theodore Roosevelt had Booker T. Washington for dinner at the White House, and it was the first time ever that a black guy was officially invited for dinner at a White House, right? After he had the dinner, there was such a backlash, like some, uh, some senators from the South started flipping out and... I forget the exact quote, but one of the guys at one point said, "You know, after the president did this thing, we are gonna now have to lynch a thousand niggers in our state to put them back in their place." And you're like, "I'm sorry, try that again." That's the U.S. senator, senator from, and he was pretty accepted. That was wow. just how you know, the L.A. Times about Jack Johnson said. You know, why didn't Jim Jeffries kill him? That brutal beast that, you know, the stuff that you read, the quotes are like, come on, somebody must have made it up because they couldn't be that racist. You that know? was in the
0: L.A. Times. Yeah, oh, God. Well, what year was that?
1: Uh, Johnson won the title, I believe, in 1908, I want to say. And uh, but all, even in the previous year, she was making a reputation for being uh, this badass fighter. just
0: amazing that 110 years ago we were that fucked up. That's yep. so recent. Well, when uh, when he had the fight with Jim Jeffries who was the old undefeated
1: white champion, you know, because when he won the title and then he started, they started throwing a bunch of white guys at him that he crashes as the great white hope. Right. Then eventually the writer Jack London started this campaign to bring Jim Jeffries the undefeated white champion back from retirement to redeem the white race. <laughs> And Jim Jeffries was a beast, right? He was a hulk of a man, strong, and knocked out all of his opponents, but he had been retired for a while. And so he comes back. They have this fight in Reno, Nevada on July 4th, 1910. By the time the fight is over, and Jack Johnson crushes him and wins the title, you know, defends his title easy. There are riots in 25 states in 50 different cities. And by the time the riots are done, like dozens of people are dead. Jesus because Christ. Jack Johnson had beaten Jim Jeffries,
0: and were they listening to it over the radio at the time? There wasn't even really like they had like telegraph news
1: sent to the newspaper, Jesus. and there would be a guy in this public square screaming, "Johnson just landed a left hook!" And <laughs> <laughs> that's how they did it. Wow, that is it, crazy. It's, in San Francisco, they had uh, they mm-hmm. had two boxers
0: reenact the news of sent by telegraphs of what was going on everybody just walked around back then i mean look at these people yep. just wandering through the streets even like when there was a, a fight going on like there's no announcers so there's no commentary right yeah sit sit down and watch yeah this is no the tv there's fight.
1: no no this is uh, this is jeffrey's training yeah. this is clearly jeffrey's tra- in training camp then yeah, yeah. here it is the there fight. it goes. And back then, you could clinch a lot in boxing, which was kind of Jack Johnson's full style. He would get, like, double bicep control, usually. He would keep you there so you can't hit him. And then once in a while, he would break
0: free, throw an uppercut, and go back to clinching. Dude, he was fucking jacked for the time. Yeah. When you think about this time, like, people back then, you know, there was no fucking supplements. Yeah. They barely knew how to work out. (laughs) Exactly. You know, even when... He's punching, like, his technique is very different. Yeah. And also, they had to be really concerned about breaking their hands because they were fighting with these little tiny-ass gloves. And They're basically like MMA gloves with thumbs. And some of these
1: fights, like, they were scheduled for insane things. Like, I believe this one was scheduled for 45 rounds. How how many uh,
0: rounds did it go? uh,
1: I think 15. Fought uh, at 2 p.m. in July in Nevada. Under 110 degree weather. It's like, wow. Who does
0: that, you know? 110 degree weather in fucking Reno? Yep. Ugh. Oh,
3: Crazy. Same hat on. Everyone in the crowd's wearing the same hat.
0: That's a good point, Jamie. Look, they all wore those goofy ass <laughs> fucking hats. Yep. Like, why did everybody Everyone. like, I want to look see. Want to wear a nice hat. While I watch the white race succeed. Like, how many black people are in the audience? Not many. You can yeah. count on that. Yeah they, yeah,
1: they say that the band, before Jack Johnson uh, came onto the ring, shortly before they announced him and he came on, the band was playing this popular song of the time called All Coons Look Alike to Me. Wow. That's
0: right before he comes on. So this is like one of those things where like people are hoping that the bad guy loses. So they're there, millions of people are paying attention because they want Jack Johnson to lose. Yep. It's not that they are... Hoping a good fight takes place no. and let's see who wins. They wanted to get this guy off the throne. This wasn't even about boxing. This was about race. race. Yeah. yeah, really kind of amazing that it went as long as it did. Yeah. And here they are. They're in the thirteenth round. You got to be a different kind of human to fight with those little gloves for as many rounds as these people fought. Yep. No, those guys were fascinating hardcore. stuff. Who else have you covered uh, on on your podcast? Uh, um, you, biographies? Let me think. That you really like, it changed yeah. the way
1: you feel about them. Jack Johnson was awesome. I had so much fun studying that. You know, all the biographies done are some of my favorites. Did there you was, see
0: Unforgivable Blackness? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That was the first thing. When I started the research, that was the where I started. I started watching the Ken Burns documentary, which was yeah. great. And that kind of gave me the basics of the story. And I'm like, okay, I I see where all of it is going. Now go back, do the tedious stuff of read every damn book about him and plug in all the information and stuff. But yeah, the documentary is great. I love that one. So who else have you
0: done that really kind of stood out for you? So
1: the big ones have been uh, Crazy Horse, Caravaggio, Theodore Roosevelt, Jack Johnson. Those are the biographies I've done.
0: Crazy Horse is a fascinating one. Are they still doing that crazy South Dakota sculpture of him?
1: Yeah, I mean... I don't know how Fen- quickly they are it forever. Yeah, because the guy who started the project is long dead. So, right. you know, it's like... And they depend on private money. So, they are not really moving at any kind well, of Well, it's speed.
0: also... Isn't it kind of fucked? Because there was no pictures of Crazy Horse. We yeah. literally have no we idea have no what no it looked like. Nope. None so, whatsoever. So, if you're doing this, you're just essentially, like, guessing. I mean, they could use your face. Completely. Yeah. yeah. I think they should use my face. Why not? Yeah. Why not?
1: The But, yeah, that's a better story right there. Because there was a guy... He kind of have a. He's almost like watching a Marvel thing about Wolverine. You know, he has this superpower. The guy was a beast in warfare, but everyone he loved around him died. And so you have this kind of tragic figure of the guy who is a beast, but for all his powers, he can't
0: protect the ones he loves. Well, he fought naked and cut little pieces of his body uh-huh. off. Like, he cut chunks of flesh off all over his body. Like, his entire body was like a mosaic of scars. There was um yeah, that was even
1: before, like a couple of weeks before the Battle of the Little Big which is the famous battle with Custer and all of that, there was a sitting bull, one of the other main Lakota leaders, participated in his Sundance, and one of the things they did was kind of cut like 50 flesh offering on each arm, where you kind of cut this like pin-sized needle of your flesh, but still. And the whole point is to go into this trance, partially from the pain, partially from dehydration, partially prayer and all of it, And the story is that Sittimbul then had this vision that they were going to be attacked, the troops were going to reach their camp, but they were going to get crushed. And so the vision was... They even had a battle shortly thereafter, and Sittimbul was like, yeah, this wasn't it. This wasn't close to our camp. The vision is they are attacking our camp. And that's when supposedly the whole little begorn thing... That's why they were feeling kind of like, we can handle it, we're good with this. Don't
0: you wish you knew if that was true?
1: The whole, you know... The vision? Yeah, there's... The thing about that kind of a culture where the stories that they say, like a lot of the time, in order to get a reputation for being the guy who can say, hey, I had a vision and people actually believe you, you need to have proven something along the way. You need to have... Because I mean, anybody can say I had a vision, and he's like, "Yeah, that's great. Show us. Are right. you? Can you now heal that dude? Yes or no? If you can't, shut up. You're just hallucinating." Well, that's can you say
0: reality. I have a vision, and then it comes true exactly as you said? Well, in that case, right.
1: people are like, "Okay, now we're paying attention. Next time you have a vision, please tell us." But if you say, oh, "I had a vision that this happened and nothing right. happened," everybody's like, "Shut up. You're right.
0: just." You know. I just wish, wish we knew that, like him going into a state of mind where he was almost dying because right. he's like. What was that uh, A Man Called Horse That Mm -hmm. movie where they they do that thing where they put the barbs through your nipples and hang you from the ceiling?
1: That's a Sundance. I've been actually to, because that was illegal for a really long time, right? Then they brought it back in the open in the 1970s. And I've been to I think seven Sundances really? where they do that. Yeah, you've watched and, people uh, get suspended uh-huh. by their nipples. They usually don't get suspended, and it's not nipples; it's uh, just the, um, yeah, the um, the chest muscle. Well, they don't go under the muscle; it's just skin. But they go up on top, and sorry, uh, they sorry, sorry. so they usually don't get suspended. But they dance attached with their rope to the tree, and then when they want to break loose, they just rip right through. And you oh. know, you got like these quarter-sized. Uh, Scar out of it, and uh, which you know, when you think about the whole idea of sacrifice, is something that they do in all religions pretty much to mm-hmm. different degrees. You know, back in the day, animal sacrifice was huge, that yeah. was one of the things. And you know, these guys have it as uh, you shed blood because that's your energy, that's the one thing, and that will give strength to your prayers and all of that stuff, but. Yeah, first time I ever saw it, I was like, holy shit, this is intense. Well, don't you think
0: there's probably also something to that where they're trying to put people through something to make them stronger? Mm-hmm. There definitely is that yeah. aspect that is like, yeah, this is not something that somebody does
1: willy-nilly like, oh, I'm going to Sundance tomorrow. Right. It's like, no, you don't mess around. It. No,
0: that this ritual, in fact, is probably to strengthen their resolve and, and make them better warriors mm-hmm. just by having experienced such a horrific ritual. Ritual, ritual practice of ripping meat off your tits. Cool.
1: The um, one story that
0: they said that about... Um, no, no, it doesn't that doesn't looks look legit. <sighs> looks like a wet guy though, I don't know. Ow! Yeah, it looks like a yeah, guy was pretty annoying. I he's on Venice Beach right now. <laughs> yeah, <something>. exactly. <laughs> the, there's a story that they say about Crazy Wars that
1: when he was a kid, to toughen him up, his dad uh, had killed a turtle that they were going to eat but the story goes that the turtle heart keeps beating after it's dead for a while and carved out the turtle and pull out this steel beating heart and gave it to crazy horse to eat it raw and yeah
0: raw turtle heart i don't recommend steel it still beating yeah meanwhile what kind of fucking diseases do you get from turtle hearts but as would, all, i would say cook that well done right That's the only way to have some good turtle heart. Yeah, I mean, what kind of parasites and shit are in turtles? Turtles eat everything, right? But that's also what's funny. It's like when you think about like
1: wolves or you think about people who live super close to nature. They could eat stuff that if we try today, we're dead in three seconds. Right. And they were fine.
3: Look at that. It's beating. Yep. Googled it and it came up right away. Wow. Turtle heart just going off.
0: Did you hear about that guy who uh, just got fired? I think it was in Iowa. He was a school teacher. He fed a snapping turtle a puppy in the middle of the class. What, what the hell? Yeah, no, I did not exactly. hear that. Yeah, yeah. He uh, He's currently suspended. That's what I wrote. You think? Yeah. Yeah, this guy, uh, he had done some other dark shit in class before. Here it is. Teacher investigated for feeding puppies to snapping turtles in front of Jesus, school. What the go, go see the image of the guy in the beginning of the article again. Go back to the, the video and pause on his face. They had a... There he is. Look at that fuck. (laughs) Why doesn't it show his face again? Let me see his face. That goofy prick. (laughs) He looks like a fucking complete psycho. Yeah. There he is. is. Look at him. Oh, well, you know, if you leave a puppy with a snapping hurdle, he will eat it. He will. He will. I'll show you. I'll show you. Okay, don't tell your mom. Yeah, don't do that, dick. We have animals that we like more than other animals. Yeah. That's a fact. That's And we like puppies a whole lot more than we like those dirty, fucking, stinky, hard-headed turtles. Yeah, leave us,
1: our hypocrisy alone. I like it. Yeah. That's how it is. Some animals are cool. Others, uh, fuck them.
0: We have a profound hypocrisy. Fine by me. Don't you think, do you, uh, you're probably more aware of that than the average person because of your study of history. I mean, the the hypocrisies of the human race are most exposed by going over them and the, watching these patterns repeat themselves right. over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, the, that's why to me I'm completely fascinated by the inner workings of the human mind because the way that people can spin stories to themselves to justify stuff that in another context would be considered completely insane, that kind of goes back to that, like, the average person is a flag in the wind that can go any way, you know? How ridiculous is it that, like, 200 years ago, if you tell people slavery, overwhelming majority of people will be like of course slavery is cool what, what's wrong with slavery what kind of a freak are you you're anti-slavery right. are you insane and if you say today you know you're gonna have like what 0.01 percent of the population would be cool with it and and yet we're the same people 200 years have gone by but suddenly what was completely normal at one point is considered batshit crazy today
0: yeah it is weird it's weird and it's and it's constantly changing you know, constantly evolving, and it doesn't always need to make sense. It just, this is what's the new thing. Yep. This is the new way of being.
1: And, you know, there's always a small percentage of our population that's not going to go along with the program that's going to be like, no, this is a stupid idea, but but the average is just going to go wherever critical mass is
0: tilting, they are going to go with it. Yeah. Well, listen, man, i got to wrap this up, but uh, always a beautiful thing to talk to you, my brother. Um, you can go check out Daniele Bolelli's podcast It is called history on fire it's available on itunes and uh you're on all the social media things uh d bolelli on twitter you d bolelli on instagram as well
1: uh instagram is the only one i don't do you don't do that at all no good for you twitter and facebook that's fuck
0: those shallow assholes like (laughs) me (laughs) all right thank you brother appreciate it man thank you so much